agree. Artificial intelligence, but not only artificial intelligence, but also the metaverse, new space technology, our life in 10 years from now will be completely different, very much affected. The master source technologies in some way will be the masters. And a comment on Nicola Sturgeon must come straight from Mar-a-Lago and 45th President of the USA, Donald Trump. He says, good riddance to failed woke extremist Nicola Sturgeon of Scotland. This crazed leftist symbolizes everything wrong with identity politics. Yes. Welcome back to Resistance Chicks. I'm one of your hosts, Michelle. Leah will be joining us shortly. Today is Sunday, February 19th, 2023. And oh my gosh, do we have an amazing show for you guys today. You know, they come at you with artificial intelligence and they come at you with all of this like fear tactics. And their main goal is really just to take over the world. Klaus Schwab has said that anyone that controls the artificial intelligent technologies will be master of the world. So we're going to get into that a little bit later. Now, my favorite story that we're going to talk about today is Nicola Sturgeon of Scotland is gone. Now, we when we started Resistance Chick six years ago, we had a lot of viewers from the UK because we were covering Nigel Farage and his and his amazing statements in the European Parliament. And so we would have a lot of UK viewers coming in and they would talk to us about Nicola Sturgeon. And she's just this crazy, woke leftist um, leader there in the, in the Scotland party. And <laughs> now she's gone. So we're going to get into that and we're going to tell you more about why. Uh, Leah tells me we have an amazing good news story. Quintuplets. This lady successfully gave birth to quintuplets in um, Poland, which is really, really incredible. So I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing more about that story. But before we get to any of the world news stories, I need to give you a special report on what happened last night at the Revival. The Pray for Ohio event that we did in uh, Dayton, Ohio. And you guys saw the flyer. We shared it everywhere. And in two days, we managed to gather quite a few people um, there to pray for East Palestine. There she is. There were so many highlights. First and foremost, from the revival portion... There were countless people that got filled with the Holy Ghost. Yeah. Um, we prayed for a lot of people with sicknesses and, and ailments. And so I'm waiting to hear testimonies and reports back on that. But from the revival portion, it was absolutely epic and huge. Then there was the pray for Palestine portion. Now, we prayed for, for East Palestine. But 
everything around it was to me more noteworthy. We had the leader of the Ohio chapter of Intercessors of America. Her name is Kimberly Brown. And she came and she had called me yesterday morning. I never met her, didn't know anything about her. She just calls me out of the blue. And she's like, I'm coming. It's from two and a half hours away. She's like, I'm going to get there. I've got vertigo. I can't drive myself. But even if I have to drive myself, I'll drive myself. And I was talking to her about how I had just opened my Bible um, in one fell swoop. And I told you guys this, I think on Friday, to the story of Elisha and the salt and all of that. You can go back and watch Friday's show and, and see our post to get the, the deal on that. But Elisha cured water that was killing people. Yeah. And the land was barren. And it wasn't the salt. The salt was a representation, right. putting an action to a faith. Then God healed the water and it never killed anybody else again. And the water was, and, and the land wasn't barren. So this, this woman comes with an amazing fiery prayer. Oh, I'm fire. Two things of salt and 96 baggies. And we prayed over this daggum salt. And everybody came up and they poured some salt in a baggie. And we told them to go home and put that salt in their waterway. I have goosebumps just repeating this story to you guys. So and at one point, we're up there, we're praying for the salt. You're up there and I'm kind of dancing around and just like just totally on fire for God. And she says something that's so powerful. And I started running around like a Pentecostal with the salt in my hand. I, like I, I, Afterwards, I remember it and I was chuckling that I did yeah. that. I never take off running. And I've got this salt in my hands. And she, she prayed that everywhere this cloud of acid has gone, that instead of bringing death, it would bring the glory of God. I took off running. Amen. Amen. And there would be the so, plume that would go down with the river yes. would bring the power and the glory of God. Kelly now, says, I have my salt and will be released, be releasing it Um Later on in Calif in my California waterway. And we told people yes. online, if you're watching, we said, get your salt, pray over it. Yes. We're going to put this salt in all the waterways. Yes. I'm telling you so many words of wisdom. If y'all aren't Pentecostal and this all kind of sounds crazy, we're going to get to some world news in a second. But this is world news. Oh, absolutely. Because we told everybody, even if you're viewing from around the world, put this salt in the water because yes. we need to heal the lands. Yeah around the world and i'm yeah. gonna tell you i want to i want to thank each and every single one of you that stay we live streamed this puppy for seven and a half hours yesterday now the biggest thing that i have to report we asked you guys to fast and pray with us all day long yesterday from the time you woke up until after dark go to bed hungry you know i technically didn't we came home it was three in the morning and i did eat something but the day was over um so we're in the right smack dab in the middle of the day of having fasted and prayed. I had been praying all day. I had been fasting all day. Leah had countless of you guys had. Find out this morning that at 4, I think 58 p.m., right as Leah and I are pulling into the church parking lot. Yeah. There's a 2.3 earthquake on the east side of Ohio. That's now here's the interesting part about this is that it wasn't at East Palestine. It was downstream mm -hmm. in the lower part, but it was on the edge, right where the Ohio River spreads. Mm -hmm. And it spreads, the, you wait till you see this, this, this picture I'm gonna show for you guys. As a matter of fact, I might just pull it up and show you my cell phone. All right, because this is gonna be the easier way to do this. Boom. Yeah, there you go. All right, you see that? 
Look at where it spreads. It's lower part, eastern lower part of Ohio, and it spreads to cover almost the entire state and up, and it covers East Palestine. This was a 2.3 uh, magnitude earthquake, which means it didn't really do any damage. Praise God. God showing up saying, I hear you. We asked shake heaven and earth. We asked God to literally take his hands in that earth and spiritually pull that chemical out of the waterway and out of the earth. And there just so happens to be an earthquake smack dab in the middle of the day of our fasting and prayer, right before we get started with this revival event that we're going to do to kind of culminate the day of fasting. Holy cow. Like I couldn't believe it. I'm just, I'm still in shock. I did you get it. Shock. I'm still in shock because God was essentially saying to us, I am hearing your prayers and I will answer when you come to me and you do a day of fasting and prayer, I will answer and I will show up. So I have no doubt in my mind that God is in the process of, of cleaning up that soil, cleaning up the riverways and the waterways. And, and especially we asked God to pull these chemicals out of the lungs and the bodies of the people that had breathed them in. And the fact that that earthquake spreads in that entire area where that plume would have gone. I'm just like, oh my gosh, this is, it is so God, glory to God. And last but not least, um, one of the more interesting things that I want to share with you guys, just for us personally, as a confirmation, we were at pastor Neil Peterson's church. I told you he ran for governor in Ohio last year. We met him one year ago and we didn't know this until last night. One, uh, one of our friends, Ben, who was there when we met Neil a year ago was scrolling through pictures in his phone and found that we met Pastor Neil in Canton, Ohio, again, where this earthquake was. Same day, one year ago. One year ago, 365 days to the day is when we met this man. And it wasn't an exact year later. He, we prayed for Ohio. We found, I knew y'all need to go watch that video. We did an interview with Pastor Neil Peterson. I'm going to grab it today and I'm going to put it in the description. Sparked, I need to go back and watch it. Uh, there in Canton, Ohio, uh, the Bob Jones prophecies mm. uh, of Gulliver Woo! sparked there. It was in Canton. So uh, the, the head of Gulliver is coming up. Wow. So that means revival is spreading. And um, the heart was in Columbus and the re- reproductive organs were in Cincinnati, meaning the kings and the priests, the reproduction yeah. of new believers and, and heavenly relievers. Um, something is happening in Dayton, Ohio. When we go to Harvest Revival Center, which we've now been to three times for revival for events in yeah. one, like in one year. Okay. Um, the people who come, when you come, they go away equipped. Uh, was the first was a Patriot candidates event. We had candidates from all over Ohio before our primaries. We came, we prayed and we sought God and we worshiped and we so prayed it's for all them. tied together. And then uh, we had a giant revival with his glory. Thank God. They they came in beside us. They got the vision. Over 1,500 people came. Thousands of people. It seemed like more than 1,500 people. But um, that was October 1st. And, and pretty much everybody who came was already a Christian. And they came to be equipped. God gives us prophets, evangelists, preachers, and teachers for the right. equipping of the uh, saints for the work of the ministry. And then again last night, the... All these people come, all these people who came were Christians that we had some Jewish ladies come. It was awesome. I love that the Jewish ladies came. For East Palestine. (laughs) I can pray. And um, so, but the people got the equipment of the Holy Spirit. They got the ability to go beyond. If you're stuck and you're like in my prayer, in my life. You need the baptism of the Holy Spirit and these gifts. Not of the Holy just Spirit. that, but if you're trying to pull chemicals out of an entire 
earth you area you need holy spirit equipment you need some special holy spirit equipment so that's what we did last night we equipped every person that lee and i prayed to and laid hands on i know got filled with the holy ghost and most of them have almost all of them had the actual evidence of speaking in tongues while i was praying there's only one person that didn't for me but i like i put my hand on his chest and he was like oh my gosh like i am feeling it and he's like it's stuck and i said that's okay it'll come it'll come yeah but man so that's this is world news this is our world news. This program, is world but news. You guys care, and and you guys are all focused on this. Yes. And so we want to kind of give you a couple um, updates. So Donald Trump plans to come to East Palestine in uh, this week on Wednesday. He said uh, East Palestine says uh, locals need uh, help. So Trump said he is going to go go on Wednesday. And so we prayed that uh, that the way would be cleared, that Donald Trump would feel the anointing and the presence yes. of God. And he said Biden and FEMA said they would not be sending federal aid to East Palestine. So uh, mm-hmm. as soon as I announce that I'm going, he announced the team will go. Hopefully he will also be there. This is good news because we got them to move. The people of East Palestine need help. I'll see you on Wednesday. Now, I will give you an update that FEMA has reversed their... their Literally an hour after Donald Trump says he's going, by yeah. the way... And and FEMA will be going, but it was after Donald Trump pushed pushed this pushed it, and so Donald Trump again acting like your president, even when he seemingly is not in office. So thank God for that. So pray for Donald Trump. Pray continue to pray for East Palestine. Continue to pray for the waterways, uh, all the the areas surrounding uh, Pennsylvania. And West Virginia, where the plume and is headed, and, and, and the water and that I want flows add uh, all the way down to one the, more thing because I do want to acknowledge what a lot of you guys are sending me. Um, you're saying, Michelle, this was this was pre-planned. It's supposed to be a land grab, and and all this, that, and the other. This is what I, I texted this to, to Scott Kesterson today, and I said, whether it was 100% that it is a land grab, whether it was premeditated or opportunistic, right now, um, is not my focus. My focus is to stop the land grab, right? Regardless of when, how, or why they're doing it. And we can do that in the power of God. A hundred percent, we can do it in the power of God. So I just wanted to yeah, acknowledge that. One day that. after Biden, the Biden administration rejected Ohio Governor Mike DeWine's request for federal assistance in the aftermath of a train derailment hauling toxic chemicals, the governor tweeted late Friday evening that the feds have reversed their course <clears throat> in their decision after Donald Trump. Uh, following further discussions with FEMA, tonight they will be deploying federal resources to east palestine so this is just so mind-boggling to me like it's it's like fema is acting like an insurance company Mm -hmm. like finding every excuse that's not the point of fema That's not the point of FEMA. I mean, it's like it's like the Red Cross saying, you know, I get it, Red Cross is donation based, but like it's like the Red Cross saying, well, you don't really qualify, we ain't coming mm-hmm. for like one of the biggest ecological disasters known to America. Mm-hmm. And well, FEMA, we ain't coming, you don't qualify. Yeah. I just see this little lady with a little like kind of like pen in her ear, looking at her little you know typewriter. I don't yeah. see that you guys qualify there in East Palestine because this isn't exactly what we okay. would expect okay, okay, it to okay. be. Leah has a um <laughs> Where are you doing? Leah has a tick. She can't handle things like that. It's okay. That's like literally like a, nails on the chalkboard. No, it's not. That's not the chalkboard. Stop, stop, like please typing. stop. Just stop. Just please stop. What if I was doing it on keyboards? I don't know. Is that <laughs> <laughs> 
know. Now we know how to do Chinese torture on Leah. Forget the dropping of the the drip 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 on the forehead. Just make noises. Those there are certain ones like chewing. Yeah. She don't um, ever come and chew around Leah. If please. you chew around Leah, you're gonna get this sideways glance. Like, and then eventually it'll build up to. Can you please okay? Stop let's chewing. do world news, please. Stop eating. She's, don't eat. You're like literally the little sister. This is a world news professional <laughs> broadcast. What is wrong with you? <laughs> That's Could you bring do. up a one clip here from East that's Palestine? Get back do. in the get back in the professional saddle here. Sometimes Come on. comedy is a profession. Y'all agree with me on that? You gotta laugh at this stuff. Come on, man. You gotta laugh. Make them laugh. Okay. And this or you'll cry, actually. How would you describe the smells, the the sights, and and how do you even sleep at night knowing you don't you don't know what you're breathing in? We don't sleep. Um it's it's been very hard i'm scared like is this chemical is this you know we just don't know what this is this could be flying through the air to into our home the smell didn't come until a couple hours after when they're trying to put it out do you feel like you're safe here yeah to a certain extent you know i believe the water is safe the air is safe but the soil is not why do you say that because a lot of stuff got dumped on the ground and it's definitely contaminated. How would you describe okay. this? That's a very interesting That's take. An interesting take. I'm that guy. Well, he's seeing that, like, he's thinking, he's, what he's saying is that he believes that the water purification system in the municipal, um, I get it, yeah, it is safe, but what's happening is that your water table, uh, as far as the creek beds go, um, a lot of people, and that's why that's why Mike Dewine was like, earth. well, if you have a well, then maybe you should drink bottled water. Right. Exactly. Uh, so cool. one person s said to CNN, if it's safe and ha habitable, why does it hurt me to breathe? Okay. Uh, that That's a really good question. Now, remember, it was a 50-car train crash there. This is on one of the uh, most unprecedented, you know, train crashes in U.S. history. Um, Representative um, uh, Andy Biggs said that it was 10 days too late um, with Biden actually addressing this at all and Buttigieg addressing this, like didn't even address it right away at all. Purposefully, mind you, it was and on then purpose. the EPA showed up 13 days later. 13 days. 13 days. Might as well be Michael Reagan, the administrator of the uh, EPA. 13 days It after reminds it me of one of those movies where a, any kind of catastrophe well, happens. No. They, well, in any movie, they usually show up right away, right? But if it's dangerous, then you might wait for the air to clear. Right. No, that's exactly right. But what I mean is, like, I'm putting myself in their shoes. And, in, like, in the movies, you see, like, is of course people are going to come. Just wait. People will come to rescue us. And then days go by. And it's like, is anybody oh, coming to rescue oh, us? No. And then 13 days later, it's like... There's no one There's coming no one to coming. rescue us. There's no one coming. But we prayed and God is coming. Amen. All right. So if you are just now joining us on, and maybe you're new to Resistance Chicks, on Sundays, we normally do a world news show where we showcase what's going on around the world from a conservative lens. So this means we're going to go to Scotland today. We're going to go to the UK. We're going to talk about immigration. We're going to talk about the woke ideology that is permeating all of politics, even in Spain, they have lowered the age to transition to 12 years old. This oh is a gosh. worldwide concerted effort wow. on children's hearts and minds. 
Well, there is a politician in Scotland, and maybe you haven't heard of her. Uh, in the Great Britain, she is the butt of many jokes. <laughs> they even true. have a a a um a com they have many comedy sketches about her. She is very woke. She's very much on the left. And recently, she became she she came under fire for allowing those who uh, identified as female, even though they were male rapists to go into female prisons. And that was really, for most people... A step too far. Just a step too far. Hmm. Exactly. Uh, so let me know when you're ready to, to bring up some clips here. Because All right, I think I'm ready. I have plenty for you. The first video I want to show you here is uh, 15 days. Uh, many people said this video was the beginning of the end for Nicola Sturgeon when she could not identify what a female was. Oh, dear Pretty Lord. much. Now, hopefully you can hear through the thick accent because it, it is yes, pretty thick. Yes, it's very thick. That, I don't even know what that was. I don't was, know what that was. I don't know what that yes. was. My question is, are all trans Look, women women? You is, haven't answered that question. Well, that's not the point that we're dealing with that's here. That's the question I'm asking. Trans women are, are women, but in the prison context, there is no automatic right for a trans so woman. So there are contexts where a trans woman is not a woman? No, there is, <laughs> there is circumstances in which a trans woman it will be housed in the male prison estate. Is there any the context in which a woman born as a woman will be housed in the male estate? Look, we're talking here about trans women. And I'm now asking about women born as women. Uh, I don't think there are circumstances there, uh, but... So it's different for trans women? Well, yes, and I, I'm not... So they're not equal? That is not... The, there is a risk assessment process done for trans women that takes account of the nature of the crime. It clearly it, significant concern arises out of sexual crime and whether it's appropriate for them to be in a female prison or a male prison. My question is... So what's very interesting, <coughs> he said, is there any circumstance where a trans male would go into a male prison? And she said, no, we're not going to put somebody who was born as a female in a male prison to keep them safe, to keep them safe. But, you know, the, the, if you're looking, they're actually seemingly looking at the safety of the perpetrator going into jail yeah very strange there okay so we've got we've got i have so many for you here all right um here we have nigel farage i got a couple takes from nigel farage if you guys don't know who, who he is if you're new he is the brexit tier politician nigel is he the is greatest the, man in the whole of the uk he is the the um i know there's gonna I, be I people offended that trump, i said that i wouldn't say the trump of the no. uk but he really is the the rising star of the he's conservative. The, he's the voice of reason. Yes. In addition to, but remember, we'll play. We play a lot Don't, of Neil Oliver clips, and well, now it's hard new. to make a comparison. He's new to the scene. He is. Nigel's been on the scene for like twenty years, fighting for the UK. Yeah. So, how much damage has been done to the cause of Scottish separation? Well, some of your thoughts coming in. Mark says, "Very interesting dynamic now." Sturgeon was demanding a UK election when Liz Truss resigned. Does that mean that the seats of the 59 Scottish should come up for re-election? I suspect the, the usual change of perspective will mean no. No, Mark, there is not a cat's chance in hell of that happening. Stuart says, I suppose it depends on who picks up the reins. But Stuart, here's the point. There is nobody in the SNP in Scotland outside of Sturgeon Salmond, yes, you know, Swinney had a go a few years ago, it didn't work. There is no other figure in the SNP with real national profile in Scotland. And it's one of the old stories with sports teams and companies and businesses and parties. You always have to prepare for succession. 
the SNP simply haven't done it. And Ryan says it means the Scottish public are waking up to the immense damage Sturgeon and her cronies have caused. Well, Ryan, I tell you what, when it comes to the trans issue, she has made the most catastrophic policy error ever. And remember, I sat here the week that legislation went through with Professor Matthew Goodwin, who'd polled Scotland, and over 80% of Scots did not agree <clears throat> with people at age 16 being able to change their gender without even having a medical assessment. A classic case of an arrogant political class completely out of touch with the silent majority. Today's the day the pendulum swung back, and it can happen in other areas too. I love it. Awesome. So actually skip the next one and then go to right there. Yeah, good. And so Donald Trump actually is weighing in because Donald Trump's mom was Scottish. The Sturgeon has come straight from Mar-a-Lago and the 45th president of the USA, Donald mm -hmm. Trump. He says, good riddance to failed woke extremist Nicola Sturgeon of Scotland. This crazed leftist symbolizes everything wrong with identity politics. Yes, Donald, I'm with you all <laughs> the way on yeah. that one. Remember, Donald Trump has to start weighing in on these things because he yeah. is on the campaign trail. He's he's going for broke here. Exactly. So he's got to start making waves. So if you guys didn't know, Scotland is still, parts of Scotland still are searching for independent, independence from Great Britain. But if you didn't know, if you're part of the conservatives in Great Britain, and I have been taught this, you guys want to be unified. And the conservative parts of Scotland actually want to be part of Great Britain because it opens up the world to them uh, in, tr in terms of trade. Great Britain's already itty-bitty. It's already itty-bitty. It's the size of, uh, well, England's the size of Ohio. So it makes uh, the Scottish uh, worldwide presence stronger. The same thing with Northern Ireland. We're going to talk about Northern Ireland being part of Great Britain. If you guys are just joining us, you're going to learn a history lesson. lesson. Wales, North Ireland, and Scotland are all part of Great Britain. And they, they seemingly are happy together. I'm embarrassed for Americans Ireland, that you have to explain this to Americans. Well, you guys, it, we have a ton of uh, UK viewers. At one point on YouTube, uh, I think it was 60, 65% of our, our viewership. Back when we had a YouTube, the good old UK days. UK males over 50 <laughs> because we were covering Brexit and Nigel Farage. So... Um, we have been immersed We've in actually, British politics, and we understand that those who identify with the same conservative values that we have, we want to understand your viewpoint. So we bring your viewpoint, the conservative viewpoint from the UK, and the conservative viewpoint is they want a united Great yeah. Britain. And we actually got a chance to meet Nigel Farage a couple of years ago. Yeah, so that was, was really, really awesome. awesome. So here he has on, if you guys didn't know, the SNP, it's the woke liberals that want Scottish independence. But really, they want Scottish independence so they can join the EU, I believe, in my opinion. So it's really not independence. And that's another video we're going to talk about with, with, with uh, Northern Ireland wanting their independence from Great Britain, but they really want to just join the a larger, more totalitarian EU. Well, and I like the um, picture that you had me use on today's uh, thumbnail with the Sun reporting that Nicola Sturgeon got the independence, she got her independence. that uh, she wanted. All right, so Nigel Farage is here with SNP MP Angus McNeil uh, on Scottish the topic. National Party member yes. of parliament. Exactly. And so he's uh, clashing with him over the topic of Scottish autonomy. Well, I mean, I think an Ireland that had remained in the UK would be in a worse situation than Wales, for goodness sakes. Yeah. Uh, but Ireland has leapfrogged all of the UK and is doing far better. And there's certainly no movement in Ireland uh, to come back with uh, 
Mother Westminster, let's say. Well, no. And I mean, Ireland, of course, have been incredibly sensible with their corporation tax rate and they've become competitive. And these are all things that many of us do that. I mean, whatever policy Scotland want, we well, can't do well. it. And that's the point. We need to get to be able to choose our policies. Because if Ireland hadn't been independent, it couldn't do the policies that Ireland's done. It's not just corporation tax. It's the way they've, ah. they've made free education. Ah. They've done whatever in Ireland, you know. But if you, I will not use the word independence when it comes to your campaign. Because you want to be, you know, you want I to leave the United Kingdom. You want to be part of the European Union. And that would limit what you could do in many economic areas, wouldn't it? Right, so are you saying that Ireland, Denmark, uh, Portugal, Spain, all members of the United Nations are not independent, Nigel? Come on. They are not independent. No, they are not independent. No, of course they're not. They're governed by foreign courts. <laughs> Most of the legislation is made in Brussels. I mean, is it, doesn't this get to the heart of it? that I quite understand the logic of Scottish people saying we want to be independent, but you cannot be independent and be a member of the European Union. Yes, you can. It's demonstrably done by a budget of 27 no. uh, member states of the European Union. I mean, well, so I <laughs> to be a member of the European Union that I'm, that I'm a member of the United Kingdom, for goodness sakes. I mean, where, where are Scotland at the United Nations? Where are Wales at the United Nations? They're nowhere. I have uh, to say. They get spoken for by somebody else, but people they don't vote for. Come on, Nigel. I mean, are you, you saying there's I... only, what, the 27 states in Europe are not independent? Come on. They are not independent in any way at all. No, and that's... You and I will disagree on this. However, however, let's return to the central point. And, and I've, you know, I've had this bone of contention for all these years, and I, and I insist and believe that I'm right, and you disagree, and that's fine. This is GB News. But we we debate these things. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. And thank you for coming on and making those points. Final thought, Angus, if I may. Okay. After all her years all her incredible electoral success, and there's no denying that, and being in that prominent role for the last eight years, ultimately, her leadership in the last few weeks has done the cause of separation considerable damage, would you agree? Well, I think we see the sweep of the polls in the last few months, and it's it's up for independence. You're right. There's been a blip in the last few weeks, but blips are exactly by the, by the very nature of what they're called a blip. Uh, but the sweep of, uh, of desire in Scotland is for independence. You know, independence doesn't mean SNP government and SNP and independence doesn't mean what, what, a particular party. It means you control it. And I'm sure at times when you've disagreed uh, with whichever UK government has been in place, Nigel, you haven't suddenly thought, you know what, we'd be better off governed by Paris, Berlin or Brussels, heaven forfend. No, no, I believed in, Angus, I believed in self-government. We have slightly different definitions of it. Even though we but have listen, different parties. Thanks. So, you know, the, the point is, is that we should have our capital and, a, the, and our decision-making in, in the capital of our nation, in Edinburgh. And, you know, our neighbours in London, if, I'm just fine with them as well as Ireland. Angus, I promise you, I promise you, if you believe in an independent Scotland, separate from the United Kingdom, separate from the European Union. I respect that point of view. I don't think it'll work, but I respect it. But I thank you hugely. And I appreciate him explaining that, but they do not want to be part of um, the, 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 the nations that are independent. They want to go and join the EU and be ruled by Brussels, take Brussels money. And then what happens is in the European Union, Everything is controlled. They have their own court system. So you have a semblance of autonomy. 
But when it comes to whether a French farmer can make cheese, well, guess what? If the European Union decides that there's too much cheese being made in Greece and they don't want the French farmer to make cheese, you can't make cheese and sell it. If there's too much wine in Italy, you can't make wine and sell it because they may want um, Germany to make wine. It is They control everything. Which is why Nigel has been behind Brexit, Brexit. which is... Um, Britain leaving the European Union, exiting yeah. there yeah. for so long. So the, this man was not exactly, you know, talking to anybody that he's going to convince that right. independence, that means, you can still be independent and be a part of the, the no. European Union. All right. So we have a, um, we have Nicola Sturgeon here on her, her resignation. Oh, is this a joke? If it, if it was honest. Okay. All right. Hang on. Cause I was like, wait, this is parody. If it was honest, if she was, yeah. if she was really yeah. being true to herself here. There we go. This is good. Thank you, friends, for joining me today. A good start, Nicola. Good start. It's with a heavy heart that I resign entirely of my own free will. That I am forced to resign as First Minister against my own free will. Don't say forced! Pretend you're being noble! If I'm honest with myself. No, Nicola! Honesty didn't get you to where you are today! My record in government hasn't been great. No accountability, we went over this. I presided over failings in drugs policy, education, health, energy, land reform. Oh Christ, she's still going. Housing, climate change. But we're closer to independence than we've ever been before. And we've never been further away from Scottish independence. Right, blame everybody else, Nicola. This isn't your fault. I personally have destroyed the very independence movement which gave rise to my own popularity in the first place. But you definitely didn't try to get Alex Salmond jailed. And I definitely did not try to get my predecessor, Alex Salmond, jailed. Did you just wink at the fucking camera? Purely because he was pushing for independence. A policy which you've believed in your entire life. A policy I never had any real incentive to actually deliver. Distract them! Distract them! Mention that you're a woman! I am proud to be the first ever longest self-serving female first minister. Oh, thank fuck. Back on track. Even though I don't have a fucking clue Sorry, what Clearly Leah didn't watch it to the end. Sorry, uh, you Liz, get the you, idea. Yeah, you, well, I, they, over in the UK, they use colourful language. That's a word for it. It's just, they just add a little bit of zing. It got really colourful at the end. Yeah, Lots it, of well, zing. It, wasn't it was very quite zingy. The end. I didn't know it was going to be F-bomb. It was very film. zingy. But right. I think we get the I okay. get it. We do have George Galloway here. Uh, he is one of the. Um, we try to keep our show very family friendly so that to. your kids can be in the room when when we're watching. And yeah, but with the accent, you don't even know kind of what word he said. And it was pretty. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, Nicola Sturgeon destroyed her political career by advocating for freedom for Scotland, but at the same time restricting freedoms of many Scots. Now, um, George Galloway is a um, and his very famous is even thicker. You thought I was a perspicacious, eloquent Scotsman. There's two of us, and he's on with me. It's the one and only James Melville, born not 20 miles from my good self. It must have been something in the water or in the air. James, thanks for joining us. The end of Sturgeon. Something fishy about it, or did you see it coming? Yeah, I saw it coming. I mean, a number of different fronts. I mean, it's obviously the whispers of police um, investigations about financing with the SNP and the government. There's also, I think, more importantly, that you touched on before about the gender identification, um, which is basically undermining women's rights in Scotland. And there is a juxtaposition with that, 
that Nicholas Sturgeon, and I say as someone who is sympathetic to the independent cause, um, someone like Sturgeon saying that we want freedom for Scots, but over the last three years has taken away asset stripping freedoms from Scottish people, not just on that draconian measure that's stripping away women's rights, but also the hate speech bill. And also, I think, an over-the-top draconian approach to the COVID restrictions. So where we've got with Sturgeon is that, and history's taught us this, George, politicians, in terms of leadership, they run out of steam when they get close to a decade. We've, we saw it with Thatcher, where she got undone by the poll tax. We saw it with Blair, where he got undone by an illegal war in Iraq. And we're seeing it with Sturgeon with the sort of policy that most Scottish people, based on their understanding of freedom and liberty and liberalism, um, have rallied against. So I think she has destroyed herself with her own hubry. And what happens quite often with individuals who are in power too long is they cannot see the wood from the trees in terms of what is in keeping with the culture and society of the nation they're supposed to represent. Wow. Yeah. All right, so I do have another comedy one that I do believe is uh, cleaner. Okay. And, uh... I hope so. <laughs> you can't win them all. I want to commemorate the resignation... Wait a minute, let me make it big. Can they see ...nation it? of Scotland's yeah. first minister, Nicola Sturgeon, by reliving some of her accomplishments as a politician. Having served in Parliament since 2014, Sturgeon actually made Scotland a go-to destination for male predators who wanted free and easy access to women and girls. Oh, and let's not forget when Scotland became an international laughingstock in 2021 when the police confirmed that they would be recording male rapists based on their preferred gender identity. She also tried to push through the Gender Recognition Reform Bill, which would effectively make it easier for violent male criminals to change their name and sex on their identification. No questions asked. All of her amazing accomplishments seem to culminate in January of this year, though, when not one, not two, not even three, but four violent male criminals either expressed interest in being moved to a women's prison or were given the green light to do so. And let's not forget when the self-proclaimed feminist refused to define what a woman is in an interview with the Times, adding that trans people are amongst possibly the most stigmatized and discriminated against minorities in our society. Under Nicola Sturgeon, Scotland became an international laughingstock, making headlines nearly every single week for coddling violent rapists, kowtowing to insane activists, and putting the women and children of her country at the back of the line a track record that would arguably even put Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau to shame. So Nicola, from one nondescript uterus owner to another, thank you for all you've done for women. And please, don't let the door hit you on the way out. <laughs> that was good. All right, so I also wanna bring up here um, the Reclaim Party leader, I forget his name, right after, uh, Lawrence Fox. And he is an actor, a, a pretty famous actor in Great Britain, who has been on the front lines against the wokery and the leftist extremist policies. He has created a, a new political party called Reclaim Party, 
And he now has a show on GB News, which is the conservative outlet, the new conservative outlet that actually have a video later. People just want gone. Like, So I want to say something real quick while we're, before we get into this, just kind of because we have so many new viewers watching on Facebook because of the videos that we've been doing there has attracted a lot of new people. When we do our world news program every Sunday, it might feel like you're trying to start watching a soap opera right in the middle and you have no idea what happened prior because you've never been really exposed to world news because a lot of kind of people like Leah and I out there, we kind of stick to American news, mm -hmm. right? But Leah and I have been doing this world news program for like five or six years. Yeah, we found that when we started to cover Brexit and we started to cover Brussels in the EU, there are so many people around the world who yeah. are struggling with the same issues that we are here in America. And it's all connected. And we're all united against yeah. the same front, which is Klaus Schwab, the World Economic Forum, Event Agenda 2030. Tyranny. And, and what, uh, you know, we were covering world news before COVID hit. Uh, because uh, there are so many conservative values out there, Christian conservative values, and even if people aren't Christians, they're Christian values that they're promoting, marriage is between a man and a woman. Children shouldn't change their gender. Um, you will feel... You shouldn't judge a person by their race. So educated, so enlightened, and yeah. a part of something much, much larger by yes. tuning in every Sunday. So I hope you'll stick with us and try to... Pick up running, you know, in the process of, of where this is at. Well, I think about I think the world agenda to. here in the United States. It's, uh, it's alive and well in Great Britain and in Scotland and Ireland. So let's play Lawrence Fox here. Liberal tears. Look at this mug. Ding dong. The sturgeon's gone. Pun intended. So is it the end of the woke as we know it? It is surprising how many lost memories from childhood bubble back up to the forefront of our minds when it is our time to become parents like some enormous download of stored wisdom, experience and guidance to help us for what lies ahead. We remember the times of sadness in our early years as if they were yesterday, and we attempt to sever that channel of emotion for our own kids. Likewise, we cherish the times that we felt loved and secure, as, and we do our best to make sure that we pass that gift on for our children to do the same one day in return. We fail constantly because we are human beings and we are imperfect, to say the very least. But generation after generation, we are constantly trying to improve the delicate recipe of life. Wisdom passed on from parent to child, repeating and repeating. Societies are like families in that way. Slowly cooking away, improving with every new generation. And until recently, it seemed human beings had reached about as close to harmony that these deep-rooted infections would allow. The eternal genius of Martin Luther King telling us to judge what lies beneath these layers of thin skin rather than the colour on top of them. To work towards equality of opportunity for all and to the end, the horrors of racism and segregation. That no matter who you were, there was a place in society where you would be recognised and represented. It almost seemed by the turn of this century that we were nearly there. In our affluence and leisure, we even took time away from our own worries to turn our gaze on the world around us and how it can be improved, nurtured and conserved for generations to come. And then all of a sudden, the whole intricate process shuddered to a halt and a great reset took place. A silent revolution had begun. Mankind turned inwards against itself as Cooper mused in the wonderful film Interstellar we used to look up to the sky and wonder at our place in the stars. Now we just look down and worry about our place in the dirt. It all began with language. 
We didn't notice it at first. We thought it was politically correct not to say certain things. We were embarrassed at the words our forebears used to describe others. We were happy to modernise and update our constantly evolving language. A little nip here and a little tuck there and move on. But for some, a little nip or tuck will never, ever be enough. Words themselves, even the most benign of all, became tools of oppression and violence at worst and indicators of unearned privilege at best. There could no longer be justice, for example. It needed a modifier. So justice became social justice. Privilege, immutable by dint of birth, was odiously modified to the exclusive property of anyone with vaguely pinkish skin. Perhaps most ridiculous of all, being that in our desperate desire to eradicate Granny's rather embarrassing utterances whenever she called someone a coloured person, we just reversed the order of the words and everything was just dandy. Person of colour? Fine. <laughs> coloured person? Bigoted, racist, devil. Distinction without a difference in the war for words. Language stopped becoming a way in which we would communicate and connect with each other and started becoming That's a means really of exerting power and control over each other. People started to keep their mouths shut for fear of stepping on a linguistic landmine which could destroy their entire life. Today, polling reveals half of Great Britain are frightened to speak their own minds, and that can't be good. But why stop there? wondered the leisured ideologues, aimlessly plodding the corridors of our universities, institutions and seats of government, looking to bring about the great change. Why just modify words when you can change their entire meanings altogether? And we're better to start than man and woman. At some point during this dizzying decline in peaceful human improvement, those who seek power and control over us for our own improvement turn their eyes on simple biology. There is no such thing as male or female. Those two immutable and entirely different sexes suddenly became a scale. One could, in one's narcissism, place oneself self-importantly on wherever one liked. Today, identity matters far more than actual reality. This obviously has a few predictable drawbacks, such as broad-shouldered men with autogynephilic fetishes, putting on a women's swimming costume, hopping in the pool, beating women sounding competition, then popping to the dressing room to ditch his costume and offer glimpses of his penis to the girls whose sporting futures he'd just destroyed. The girls were instructed to be silent and not to voice their fear at sharing protected private spaces with a dude, or even at the unfairness of it all, but for fear of future repercussions from their entirely understandable fury. But swimming races and penises in dressing rooms are one thing. Violent rapists in female prisons are something entirely different. As we saw this week, common sense and reality came home to roost for one of the speech suppressors in chief, the Scottish First Minister Nicola Sturgeon. First, there was the highly controversial gender recognition reform bill, which was returned to sender shortly after it arrived in Westminster. Then came the 50-second interview, which starkly revealed the ridiculousness of the woke ideology to the public. We can't show it on here because it belongs to ITV, but let me give it a go like this. It went, should our trans women women? Well, yeah, but no, but yeah, but no, can they go to a prison? I don't know, I, I, I'm not sure. I, 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 it's like Vicky Pollard and Jimmy Cranky's love child. Anyway, convicted rapist Adam Graham had decided to chuck on a wig, call himself Isla, and was no doubt salivating at the idea of sharing his sentence locked up alongside some potential future victims. But it seemed this time the public just couldn't take the madness anymore. The backlash forced Nicola into a hurried retreat and announced that Adam wouldn't be getting the holiday of his dreams after all, and the First Minister of Woke and her cronies who wished to police speech around the family dinner table 
had gone just one step too far. A sudden awakening from the wokery seized the public, and she is now, thankfully, bye-bye. You see, that's all it takes, really. People to stand up and say, no thanks, not interested, don't want this stuff anymore. <laughs> this insidious secular religion, which is a danger to the Ooh. existence of women, delights in the sacrifice of the mutilation of children, hates the family and the passing on of wisdom in favour of celebration of the self and all the darkness which comes with it, and which has damaged societal discourse and most importantly freedom of speech, without which democracy is an illusion in such a fundamental way. It can be stopped when confronted head-on, as we have seen with Nicola. It is my hope that the fall of the sturgeon single signals the beginning of the end of this ideological woke supremacism. And when future generations look back at this era of fundamentalist nihilism, they remind themselves of just how easily the complex intricacies of societal harmony can be destroyed in an instant. You know, wow. Lawrence Fox's monologue there that rivaling really good. Neil Oliver's that monologue. Was that was That's really, good. really good. I'm just hoping that it wasn't too much for Facebook. Uh, because he went there, and it's for new viewers, if you don't know, Nicola Sturgeon, uh, she had put forth bills that would police your speech. If you had anything that would be considered hate speech yeah. at your dinner table with your family members, they could report you to the police. Okay, this is crazy. This is crazy land. Okay, but this particular bill went so far. Now, pro-independence politicians within the SNP, the Scottish National Party, are preparing actually to rip up their former leader's pro-transgenderism bill after her resignation. Officials within the Scottish National Party are reportedly keen to drop a controversial pro-transgenderism bill after their progressive leader, Nicola Sturgeon, announced her resignation. Uh, under the so-called gender recognition bill reform championed by the first minister. I'm trying. I do no, try accents, but it was that the first The Scottish one. is so know. hard. It's, really, it's a, it's a Stick guttural Irish. Stick to the Irish. ones you're good at. It's a guttural Irish. That's even offend Scottish I feel people. like we've been, I feel like I've watched Neil Oliver enough I could try. No, you can't. Oh. Uh, children age 16 and older would have been able to change their gender without medical supervision. That's insane. With the politician also pushing a number of other militantly <clears throat> pro uh, measures while in office. According to a report by The Telegraph, however, this massive legacy of transgenderism may soon be quietly forgotten. With many within the party keen to just move on from the controversial legislation, with uh, many in the party reportedly unhappy that Sturgeon's progressive crusade appeared to take precedence over the party's push towards independent Scotland. We need to get back on track by pursuing things that matter to the people of Scotland, not pushing stuff that the public is vehemently opposed to. I expect the gender reforms to be parked somewhere and quick, as quickly as possible. Any sensible new leader will want to get that get off the front pages quickly. Now, let me read some comments here. So, Britt Baza says, uh, Michelle, the ratings of um, Scotland... I don't know what that is, uh, is for 47% for independence, 53 are against independence. He says, Leah, Sturgeon wants to join the EU, but you don't want Scotland. Um, the EU, excuse me, the EU doesn't want Scotland. The EU have stated that they don't want Scotland. Um, he says, Michelle, the UK government actually gives Scotland 15 billion pounds a year because Scotland can't afford to keep itself. This is called the Barnett Formula Grant and is paid every year. Wow. That's why the EU don't want Scotland to join them. He also says, Michelle, do a shout out of where your viewers come from in the world. Hi, I'm from Wales, UK. Barry Britt Baza here in the comment section. 
has been with us literally for the past seven years. Yeah, you guys, that would be so fun. So wherever you're at on whatever platform, DLive, Rumble, or Facebook, give a shout out on where you're from. This is the, actually, I have to tell you, it's my most favorite thing that we do. Try not to do it too much, but because um, I don't want it to lose its specialness, but it's so special. We got a message from a person from Ireland last night and then a person from Switzerland. Well, Um, earlier I got a couple of messages. Um, Stephanie says, I am new to this site and I love you guys. I'm from Maine. So love uh, Susie Torres says, hi, girls. I'm in Cincinnati, too. It's good to have a fellow Cincinnatian with us there. Yeah. And while we're doing this, you should bring up the message from the lady from Ireland and the guy from Switzerland you should bring up. They were just it's just so fun to me. Um, later on, we're going to go back to Neil talking, Neil Oliver talking about the uh, the, the Scottish S&P a little bit. But let's go do a, a couple more stories that are kind of as uh P, uh, the the I'm trying to find the um, White House. The, you guys have sent press so secretary. many messages the past. It's couple okay. Of days. You keep looking. So in Spain, socialist Spain, children as young as 12 can change their gender under a new law. The Spanish Parliament has approved a new transgender law that would allow children as young as 12 to change their gender legally. Conservatives have vowed to repeal the law. The Spanish Congress approved the controversial trans law supported by the Minister of uh, Equality, Irene Montero, this week, which affords anyone under the age of 16 the ability to change their gender legally by a simple just request. The new law also allows children as young as 12 to be able to change their gender on official documents with the approval of a judge and those aged between 14 and 16 the opportunity to change their gender with the consent of a parent or guardian. Alberto Nunez Fierro, the leader of the supposedly right-leaning People's Party, announced that his party would work to repeal the law if elected to form a government in the next general elections, which are scheduled to take place uh, this year, this coming year in December. The the Conservative Party there, the People's Party, especially objects to the fact that minors over 16 are now able to change their gender without needing any parental permission. And so the new law will have harmful consequences. Fierro uh, um said that he will reverse the changes to the abortion law that allows minors to seek abortions without parental permission and will seek to reverse the change that it uh, and make it required that minors receive the consent of the legal guardians. Now, the People's Party has recently clashed with the other populist party, the Vox Party, on abortion. However, after the People's Party supported an amendment to the abortion law that would prevent regions from introducing pro-life policies, such as options for pregnant women to hear the heartbeat of their unborn child, um... Uh, Mercedes Rodriguez Tamayo, who serves as a deputy in the uh, Andalusia region parliament for Vox, later slammed the government, stating, women do not need to be protected. We are perfectly qualified to, before an offer of information, say yes or no. So you have the Vox, who is anti-lockdowns um, and anti-jab and anti-wokeness, but they are not pro-life. They're not conservative Christians. The People's Party is more the conservative Christians. Um but you do see that everything is kind of a little bit uh, socialist in in all of all of Europe. So pray for the in Spain. I would think that the the Spaniards would be more pro life. I know. Um, I think because the Mexicans here, obviously of Spanish descent, <clears throat> are very pro life, very pro family. But the I guess religion and Christianity have must must have died away there in Spain, which is kind of sad. All right, let me get to. I found this message. Okay. Uh, this was really great from Marcus. 
Dear Leah and Michelle, greetings from Switzerland. Switzerland. Thank you very much for your international broadcast. That's what you guys are watching right now. I really appreciate it. But mainly I'm with you and all the people from Ohio. And I try not to get angry and to get on my knees. And I'm praying for all of the people and all of the animals suffering from this terrible derailment. I cannot understand a catastrophe like this. And the man in charge, as well as the U.S. federal government saying, oh, nothing to see here, Mr. I love how he says it. Booty blah blah. Booty jack. Booty blah blah. I am so ashamed that men like you exist. I'm sorry about this emotional outbreak. I mean, 10% of the U.S. population's drinking water could be affected, but Jesus, Jesus will give healing and justice. Um, and then he, he's got a little piece of art here that he um, sent in the email. All the best. And whenever in Zurich, I will be glad to give you a tour. Love, Marcus. Um, P.S. If you have any questions about Switzerland, just ask. Did you know that we call the U.S. sister republics? I just so love really hearing fun. from people from around the world. And I love knowing that there are <clears throat> Christians who love Jesus around the world. And in Switzerland, <laughs> praying in the name of Jesus is yes. so powerful and so wonderful. I love hearing from you guys. All right, so let's move on to the Did you great... see Mel last night? I didn't see Liberty Mel. She just joined. It tells me when you join. No, she said she was going to be there. I early know. And I, just... I didn't get to see her. I know. Were you there when we were there? She might have left early. Okay. Um, there Wait, is a, let's just highlight oh. Liberty Action Network right now. Sure. Um, if I can for you guys, just while I'm thinking of it. So our friend Liberty Mel, she has a website, um, Liberty Action Network, and she is trying to bring together in, She's in doing the it. United States all the conservatives and different things that, that are going on. Wait, wait, wait. I'm getting it. Hang on. Uh, just keep talking. Okay. So uh, grain shipments from the Ukraine are falling. Could be a food crisis here. The, uh, Ukraine is a breadbasket, grows a ton of grain and ships it out around the world. Uh, because of the war there, the amount of grain leaving Ukraine has dropped even as a UN broker deal works to keep food flowing to developing nations. With inspections of ships falling to half of what they were four months ago and a backlog of vessels growing as Russia's invasion nears a one-year mark. Ukrainian and some U.S. officials are blaming Russia for slowing down inspections, which Moscow has denied. Less wheat, barley, and other grains are getting out of Ukraine, dubbed the breadbasket of the world. You know, you know what makes me mad? What makes you mad? They grow a lot of sunflowers, and I get sunflowers for my chickens, and sunflowers are really expensive. They are, now. actually. Okay. They really raise the price on them. Raises the concerns about the impacts of those going hungry in Africa, the Middle East, and parts of Asia where they are shipping. Isn't it amazing? I'm telling you, Africa could grow enough grain for the world. And let me just tell you guys this. As part of the world news, Zimbabwe was and South Africa were breadbaskets of the world. Yeah. There is no stinking reason that Ukraine, some comes. tiny European country, should grow all this grain. Now, I'm, I'm glad you got great soil. That's wonderful. Okay, which is probably why there's a land grab going on there. But Africa, Africa, you can grow the grain. You can send it out. But you know what? It's not the color of their skin. But Europeans went down to Zimbabwe. Here they went down to South Africa. And they created bread baskets for the world. The most they could take inhospitable areas and just grow so much food the natural way the good way there's a man in zimbabwe he's a christian with land appropriation his whole farm was taken away man. but you know what he did he stayed in zimbabwe and now he is teaching those farmers who are now on the land there are african black african farmers he's teaching them the ways yeah because he knows That's that it's not about 
him growing the food. He just needs to grow the food. He wants everyone to grow the food. Yeah. I got I have to remember the guy, but our um one of our friends, um, what's her name from Heartstone Network? Oh, Sandra Martin Hicks. Sandra Martin Hicks. Um, she knows about him. So, anyways, you're not gonna have this grain. The hurdles come as a separate agreement brokered last summer by Turkey and the UN to keep supplies moving from the warring nations and reduce soaring food prices are up for renewal next month. Russia is also a top global supplier of wheat, other grain, and sunflower oil and fertilizer. And officials have complained about the holdup in shipping the nutrients critical to crops. We know that even just last year, fertilizer prices were like almost doubled or sometimes tripled. And that's why a lot of things are way more expensive. Is that going to spill over into this year? Do we know? I think it's just going to keep going up. Yeah. yeah. Okay, do you have the website? Up I do, there? actually. Um, so... Liberty Mel says, I was there early, 8 to 1 p.m., the early okay. shift, and I was with you online from 6.30 to 11.30. Yay. Oh, that's awesome. That's devotion. So let me pull up. Um, I've got it up here already. The It's the, you got to put, that's why I was messing up. It's thelibertyactionnetwork.com. God's Network for Liberty and Action. And not only is Mel, like, she writes articles, but she's got all of these things that are taking place, um right here on so if you live in the united states she is connecting liberty-minded people and if you know of other networks that want to or other you know places that would like to be involved you can get a hold of her and she will add you um and add events yeah and so i love how she kind of really takes this uh renewing for a call for prayer and repentance for ourselves and our nation and so that's just absolutely phenomenal there's the network here that has everybody listed on it um the different organizations, you guys know John Diamond, Scott Kesterson. Uh, I know the resistance chicks are on here as well because she's awesome. Coach Dave, Dr. Lee Merritt, just so many. Um, Harvest Revival Center where we were at last night, the Hidden Day with David Paxton, who's also at Harvest Revival Center. And so if you have more that you can add, you have to get a hold of her and um, and she will add you Ohio Brett, the Patriot Pastors, that's ours. Um, there's resistance chicks. So just so much. I want to encourage you guys to get plugged in and to if you know the Liberty some Action Patriot Network. Groups, yeah. Then contact her and have her put them up. Yeah, on. Liberty Mel's just killing it. She's doing awesome. Phenomenal so job. Poland says we'll send you we'll send Ukraine fighter jets to the United States if you do. Poland is willing to send Ukraine fighter jets jets. The United States leads the broader coalition of countries to do the same, the Polish Prime Minister said. Prime Minister uh Morvecki and we had to learn how to pronounce some things in Polish. Morvecki. It doesn't look like Morvecki. That's how it's said. Pronounced. Has told journalists that Poland is willing to hand over a number of its Soviet-era uh, MiG fighter jets to Ukraine, so long as a broader Western coalition of countries, led by the United States, does the same. The offer resembles a similar suggestion made by Poland early last year, with officials in the country repeatedly trying to get the United States to give Poland... F-16 fighter jets in exchange for Poland giving Ukraine its fleet of MiG-29. So you know how this works, right? We have older planes. No. You have newer planes. You see, it may not be so bad if Poland gives planes to Ukraine. You get you get planes to me. Newer planes. It went to upgrade. It happens all the time. You want to buy a new car, right? Like, okay, so this is going to work out. I'm going to give my kid my older car, and then, you know, I get a newer car. Yeah. But all hang right. on. Wait. Don't, nope. don't move on. Because I it, this whole thing of the entire world, Western world, getting behind the Ukraine to fight 
Russia is so ridiculously hilarious to me. We're going to give you all this money. We're going to give you all of this equipment, but we're not fighting Russia. We're not at war with Russia. Because our people aren't going to give us permission to go that would to be war, a, like war a world Russia. war, and we're just not doing We're not that. in a world war. We're just letting Ukraine do. We are going to let this evolve. We are just like those Ukraine. We're just, those Ukrainians. We're just going to give them the planes and be like, everybody can drive, right? Of course, you can fly a fighter jet. Just put you right in the cockpit, baby. Boom, boom. So you're not at war with a country if you are just supporting and supplying everything that the country that is at war with that country needs yeah all right here's the thing so remember biden does not want to give any aid to east palestine but at the same time on aid to ukraine get this they want more money and it's going to allow pensions and social support to be paid to the ukrainian people so that they have a little something something in their pockets what now you know you just sometimes you got to get a little candy bar stop it. sometimes you got to go to the convenience store and you know when your parents would give you a little fun money they need to have a little something-something in their own pocket. So we want a literal social net, social security for Ukrainians. So they can have a little something-something in their pockets. But we're not giving any water to the people in East Palestine in the United States of America. Would you scroll down and listen to this guy? No. I don't want to listen to this. Yeah, you do. No, I don't. And to deliver much-needed humanitarian assistance as well as food, water, medicine, shelter, and other aid to Ukrainians displaced by Russia's war, mm. and provide aid for those seeking refuge in other countries mm. from Ukraine. <clears throat> it's also going to help schools and hospitals open. It's going to allow pensions and social support to be paid to the Ukrainian people so they have something, something in their pocket. Mm. What? Yeah. It's also going to provide critical resources to address food shortages around the globe. What? And interesting. Because there was a giant earthquake in Turkey. Yes. I haven't heard anybody say, let's give, let's help Come Turkey. on, man. Where people, you know, their whole buildings were collapsing. $113 billion for for Ukraine in the past 12 months. Wait. Where the heck? Wait. $113 How billion. many times have we in the United States heard that our social security is insolvent or was going to be. Mm -hmm. And in how many years, I don't have the numbers right in front of me, you won't get your social security that you're paying into because it's just, well, A, that's ridiculous because modern monetary theory is what we're operating under now and they should be able to just continue to add zeros and you know inflation to the roof. Okay, so it's really stupid when they say it's insolvent. It's already insolvent. The entire country's insolvent. We got nothing. We're in debt trillions of dollars. We are nothing. Except by the power of God. So you're telling me, though, that they, they're telling us that we may not have Social Security, but we're going to give Social they, Security uh, yep. to the Ukrainians so that they got a little something. What did they do to earn that? What did they do to deserve that? You know, do you know how hard it is to get your Social Security here in the United States if you need disability? Hmm. Like, you are essentially treated like a criminal. Yeah. Yeah. And yet, no, oh, we just want to make sure they get a little something, something. Yeah. I'm sorry. Carry on. Yeah. So, um, wait, Gina says, I love you, darling chicks. It was great to be, great to be there with you. I hope to see you soon at events. God bless and protect you both. Amen. Gina, were you there last night? That's awesome. I'm so glad. That's amazing. 
With the amount of propaganda coming from the Ukrainian intelligence and NATO, it's hard to say what is actually happening. This is uh, from an article from Zero Hedge. But I suspect Russia is changing strategies and repositioning to deploy missile and art artillery bombardment of infrastructure, including power grids and water. This is a tactic that Russia has avoided for many months. And actually, Russia did do that. Um, the author says, not long after I wrote this, Russia did in fact shift to an infrastructure strategy. Ukraine's power grid was estimated in December to be 60 to 80% destroyed. 70% of residents in Kiev are without running water. Jeez. Ukrainian grid operators admit that the damage is colossal. In the least damaged regions, the power grid is still running at a 30% deficit. Large generators shipped by NATO countries have lessened the strain and allowed major facilities like hospitals and military posts to function. And mild weather, weather has uh, helped prevent a full-on exodus of the entire population. Repairs are ongoing, but the lowest damage estimates are running at around $9 million, and rolling blackouts continue. I mention this information because it is important to put these events in context of the bigger picture. The mainstream media and the majority of pro-Ukraine people argued that these scenarios were not going to happen. They were wrong. They will continue to make wrong predictions because they are basing their conclusions on propaganda rather than evidence and logic. Russia missile and drone strikes on infrastructure in particular were widely dismissed as a possibility in the weeks leading up to the Russia pullback. The war is over, they claimed, and soon Ukraine and would take the Donbass and even Crimea. Yet, here we are months later and the war continues. As I've noted, ever since Russia shifted strategies for the winter, all Putin had to do was wait until NATO armaments and money started to fade and Ukraine's grid went down and it would wear on the, on the population. In terms of U.S. arms, deliveries are now drawing down as inventories shrink on key weaponry. They are running low on bullets. The grid targeting strategy made sense for a number of reasons, but most of all, it suggests an effort by Russia to push civilian populations out of major cities or out of the country entirely. Why is this valuable to Putin? Because less civilians means a lesser chance of heavy collateral damage during a new offensive effort, mm. which the author believes will take place, some, place sometimes in the spring. It's important to understand that for now, the dynamics of war have changed. The information age has made hiding military operations and movements very difficult. When civilian casualties mounts, everyone in the world is going to know about it. If media and phone technology had been as uh, available in Iraq in 2003 as today, I suspect the U.S. would have waged the war more carefully and avoided the high civilian mm. death rate. At this time, public optics matter, and Ukraine is as much an information war as it is a shooting war. Putin is likely trying to clear the field of as many civilians as he can before a renewed push forward. At least 20% of the Ukraine population has permanently fled Europe under refugee status, while uh, around 2.9 million Ukrainians have left to join Russia. Russia now has an approaching window of offensive actions, and the need for such a move is clear. NATO countries are supplying Ukraine with less armaments than before, but they are upping the technological level of the weapons they are delivering. It is only a matter of time before long-range missiles are handed to Zelensky that will give him the ability to strike deep targets into now, Russia. Now, let's pause right there because that is kind of the crux of this entire thing. Right. We have talked on our show at length about um, how the Ukraine has been used as a money laundering, not just money laundering, but like corrupt tyrant safe haven for years for a really long time and it feels like they're like okay we want 
to have this place really nice. But how do we fund to make the place that we like to go really nice? I've got an idea. Let's have a giant war and it'll make us look really innocent and we'll have a fun time in the process, right? Mm -mm. So they're going to rebuild Ukraine. They've already talked about it and America is going to fund it, by the way, unless we put a stop to it in the name of Jesus. That's the entire goal, the end goal of this. But the war will have to come to an end at some point. Mm -hmm. So once they've kind of done their major destruction, then you can see very clearly that these little things that they've been telling the American people and other Western nations, we're just going to give them a little bit of this. We're going to give them a little bit of this. And then eventually it's like, okay, we're giving them the big ones. This is what this is like. You didn't murder somebody. But you put the gun in someone's hand and you put your hand over the trigger and, and had them pull it. Mm -hmm. So we're not at war, but we're going to give them, we are at war with Russia at this point. Speaking of that, Ukraine is short on ammo with Russia gaining. Despite the West billions, NATO Secretary General Jen Stolenberg in a Monday briefing warned that the West is now locked in a race against Russia to get ammunition to the front lines in support of Ukrainian forces. He specifically affirmed that NATO countries are in a race of logistics regarding ammo and arms supplies at a crucial moment of intensified fighting. This as Russia seems to have launched already launched a large-scale offensive in Ukraine, sending in thousands and thousands more troops, Stolenberg explained. It is clear that we are in a race of logistics. Key capabilities like ammunition must reach Ukraine before Russia can seize the initiative on the battlefield. He also described dramatically that a war of attrition becomes a battle of logistics, while acknowledging that, yes, we have a challenge. Yes, we have a problem, but we have a strategy to tackle it. Here it comes. In some ways, his new words are a belated admission that Russia has already seized the initiative. According to... Um, more from the Financial Times, despite the West already having poured billions into arms and supplies into Ukraine's military effort over the past year, Ukraine is still being far outgunned. Ukraine's ammunition shortages are acute, a Western, a senior Western intelligence official told the Financial Times, adding that the speed of Western supplies would be critical. Kiev's forces are estimated to be firing more than 5,000 artillery rounds every day, equal to a smaller Euro Ukraine, European country's orders in an entire year in peacetime. A day versus a year. Russia is estimated to be firing four times that amount each day as it seeks to gain territory in the east of the country and deploy tens of thousands of newly trained conscripts into the war. Urging more immediate production among NATO allies' defense sectors, Stolenberg said the war in Ukraine is consuming an enormous amount of munitions and depleting allied stockpiles. All right, let me go ahead and play this video of admitting just that. The rate of expenditure of ammunition in Ukraine now exceeds the possibility of their production by NATO countries. I said uh, was that the current rate of uh, ammunition consumption is uh, higher, bigger than the current rate of production. That's a factual thing. Uh, but since we have been aware of that for some time, we have started to do something. We're not just sitting there idle and watching this happening. So that's the reason why we over several months have uh, worked hard at NATO uh, and also within the, the Rammstein format to ramp up production. That's the reason why okay. we launched... Now, there's two <laughs> angles to this, though. They, we've got to ramp up production because... The, it, because, oh my gosh, what if, they, the, what if it gets depleted? And then the other angle is the military-industrial complex. War equals money. Oh, sure. And when you see your dollar depleting, what do you do? You try to ramp yeah. up, right? Well, we just need to, to, to make more yeah. war products because yeah. that makes more money for every nation. War makes more money. War makes money. Yeah. yeah. All right. So I'm going to shift a little gears here on the Ukraine. We have... 
uh, with Neil Oliver, retired Army Colonel Douglas McGregor, talking about um, Russia's war with Ukraine, and it's a catastrophe for NATO. For NATO, if if Britain keeps, you know, nudging closer and closer to what certainly sounds like war, direct war with Russia. Well, the English-speaking countries have uh, fully embraced this false narrative about Russia and Ukraine. Uh, they staged the coup and installed a government in Kiev, which was, from its inception, fundamentally hostile and anti-Russian. Uh, the war that we're now witnessing was cultivated over many years, not just over the last eight. Uh, certainly the deaths of 14,000 people in eastern Ukraine as a result of Ukrainian aggression against the Russians in their own country was part of it. But this, is, this has been a long-term process that has now put the Russians in the position of fighting an existential threat. For Russia, Ukraine's membership in NATO means that it becomes a permanent platform for attack against Russia. They will not tolerate that. They have no choice but to fight this to the finish. Most Europeans, I think, are completely disinterested in fighting this war. I'd be surprised if most people in Britain uh, necessarily want conscription to be announced and tens of thousands or even hundreds of thousands of British troops to be sent to the continent to fight the Russians. Uh, I think the Russians will fight this to the bitter end, right up to the Polish border. And if we continue to fight uh, from Poland, then Poland will become part of the war. This is a catastrophe for NATO. NATO is not going to survive this experience. It will crumble. That's already happening behind the scenes. And Germany, of course, sits at the center of all of this. And the Germans have absolutely no interest in a war with Russia any more than most of the rest of Europe Europeans do. Wow. Okay, so we're going to shift, a, and then we're gonna, now we're going to shift a little bit here because European uh, parliamentarians have been condemning the U.S. Nord Stream attack. That report is huge. You have to understand this. Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist Seymour Hirsch, in a fresh interview with Germany's uh, Berlinger Zuntag newspaper, which follows up on his bombshell reporting on how America took out the Nord Stream pipeline, has provided more context to the Biden White House's decision-making. The President of the United States would rather see Germany freeze than see Germany possibly stop supporting Ukraine. And we covered this a little bit on our show on Friday. Um, the point is that Biden has decided to let the Germans freeze this winter. The President of the United States would rather see Germany freeze than see Germany uh, possibly supporting Ukraine. And we kind of covered that, but I want to actually play a couple clips here. There's a European MP, Claire Daly, and it's condemning this U.S. attack. And I've got another clip here. Imagine if you, you're in Europe and there's a pipeline that, that sends natural gas to your area and the United States unilaterally blows this up. This should be, East Palestine's a big deal, okay? The war actually in the Ukraine is a big deal. But honestly, if... For real, the United States blew up a pipeline that would hurt not just Russia. That would be an act of war, in my opinion. Not just, it's, it is an act but of war. But it would, it's harming Germany and harming European nations, your own allies. This should be universally condemned. And what is going on in Germany if they're just sitting on their hands, allowing themselves to be basically the, the beaten, like... Uh, a slave almost of the United States. What is happening here? 
Since September, the lack of interest in finding answers to who was behind the Nord Stream gas explosion has been, frankly, astounding. This was an act of sabotage, an act of unrivaled va vandalism, economically and environmentally, and not a word, no discussion, no questions. Then along comes Seymour Hirsch, the world's most acclaimed, distinguished, living investigative journalist. He produces a detailed claim that the United States executed this explosion with the help of Norway. Planned months before the invasion, a Norwegian Navy P-8 surveillance plane dropped a sonar buoy on the 26th of September, which triggered explosions planted by US Navy Panama City divers three months earlier under a NATO exercise, and still nothing. I don't know what happened, but I want to know. This is a man who doesn't make claims lightly, a man with contacts, and I find it frankly jaw-dropping that the EU is not asking questions as to who is responsible for sabotaging the livelihoods of our citizens. I am ashamed to be a European. That is so wow. powerful. Now go ahead, the guy with the crazy hair, he has something to say. Love the hair, brother. <laughs> September, is, uh, Commission Wallace. President von der Leyen stated that it was paramount to now investigate the Nord Stream pipeline attack and that any deliberate disruption of active European energy is unacceptable and will lead to the strongest possible response. The strongest possible response. Well, Pulitzer Prize-winning reporter Seymour Hirsch, probably the most legendary investigative journalist alive, just published a report that presents detailed claims that, on President Biden's orders, the US, with Norway's help, blew up the Nord Stream pipelines. Hirsch has a long track record of journalistic integrity. This was a premeditated terrorist attack on European critical infrastructure. It was also environmental terrorism. Does the EU care? Do you need to know who did it? Or do you want to know? You... Hirsch says the US did it. Did you just ask him? Did you just ask him to do did it? Did you ask him? Or, or do you just ask them questions anymore? Have we mm -hmm. become so subservient? Has the EU become so subservient to US empire? They just can't even ask him if they did it. Is it a fucking joke? Wow. Very powerful there. I trust those guys are actually true environmentalists. They actually aren't the fake ones. Yeah. Because this was an environmental terrorism in a natural and in, in, in a non-natural. Think disaster. about all of the fish in the sea that would have died. And, and here's because the thing: of this. you want to talk about climate change. You want to talk about all these horrible things. And then you're going to allow millions of gallons of natural gas just go into the ocean. I've got one more uh, clip here. Joe Biden practically promised to destroy it here with Neil Oliver. To the uh, there you go. There we go. Not all of it, but we're supposed to some of it. Okie dokie. Yeah, this is unprecedented this is and the unbelievable. That is, no one's talking about. Yeah. Now, last week, a veteran US journalist alleged that the United States were behind the sabotage of the Nord Stream gas pipelines last year. The multi-million dollar infrastructure was deliberately damaged last September, with the United States and Russia each blaming the other. Now, a report by investigative journalist Seymour Hirsch uh, has it that the strike against the pipeline was ordered by President Joe Biden a claim immediately dismissed as, quote, utterly false by a White House spokesman. Joining me to consider the claim and the denial is Jonathan Steele, former Guardian Chief Foreign Correspondent. Thank you for joining us, sir. What do you make, first of all, of Seymour Hersh's article? I think it's pretty convincing. The difficulty is it's only got one source, 
one would hope that there would be other sources, but he says it's a very reliable source, somebody who with, had direct knowledge of the operational planning of the attack. So that's fairly convincing. And then, of course, there's the statements by Joe Biden a few days before the yes. Russian invasion of Ukraine. He said, if the Russians invade, there will no longer be any Nord Stream. We will bring an end to it. So he practically promised to destroy it. So in that context, it wouldn't, it wouldn't sound as though if there would be any need for a denial. It was a statement of intent that was there, and it was also echoed by Victoria Newland, he's one of his senior diplomats. It, it, was, it was a statement of, if you do this, the following will happen. Well, she, she expressed uh, joy after the event. She, she told the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, uh, I can tell you, like you, I'm very gratified that Nord Stream is now a hunk of metal at the bottom of the sea. Did it ever seem credible to you that Putin would destroy his own infrastructure when he could obviously just turn the gas on and off at will anyway? That's the crucial thing. I mean, who does this profit, this destruction of Nord Stream? Not, not the Russians at all. They're the last people who profited from it. They wanted to increase their gas sales to Europe, get more money for that. They wanted to increase Germany's dependence on gas. They because definitely they were the wanted to increase Germany's dependence on Russia. Gas oil. that comes directly exactly. by pipeline from Russia to Germany. So Russia wanted Germany to be to, to be dependent upon their oil. I mean and their gas. So the other alternate alternative of how Russia would benefit if they did it themselves and and tried to peg it on let's say the united states they would benefit in that by then i guess making the united states look bad but when you weigh that in comparison to the fact that it it really it doesn't that's not enough of a benefit it's a very minuscule no, benefit you, they put in millions comparison. of dollars into do you understand that what i'm saying you would just turn i'm just yeah. saying that that's the only argument to say that right. well it would benefit him because that's what they're trying to make us believe right exactly that it benefits so him right you know, it's ridiculous would, would it would it be fair to say that whoever blew up the Nord Stream gas pipeline was at war is at war with europe's economic security well i think that's why they so busy dismissing it and denying it because it is an act of war it's an act of war by the united states against russia now it's obviously worth saying for people that aren't familiar with seymour hirsch he's got a formidable reputation i mean he's not he's not some he's not some johnny come lately figure he, he got... even though they were promised not to be on the record nobody came forward so hmm. of course if you want to be suspicious of his story you cease you jump on that point there's only one all right, so I want to also bring up one more video to remind us of, and just for our foreign viewers that are listening, Joe Biden can't declare war. Where am he cannot I? go. So, so if Biden did actually do this, yeah, and he did not go to Congress first mm -hmm. to get permission to do it, that is an impeachable offense. Right. That's another reason for Joe Biden to deny having done it. All right, so this is an older video um, that we that we played um, of a Ukrainian woman, and she is now being prosecuted by the Social Security Service, by the security, not Social Security, the Security Service of Ukraine for this interview. Let me lower the volume here because it's going to be way too loud. Okay, the Day of Unity of Ukraine is this weekend. The lady says, I don't know. Unity of Ukraine is not important in your opinion? She's looking at her phone. Why Ukrainians? The whole world is for peace. 
so that people are kind, kindness. The journalist says, but we're at war and need to unite to win against the Russians. The lady gives her the stank face. Silence. The journalist says, what do you think? She says, I don't think anything. I'm not into politics. The lady says, war is politics. War is politics. She says, yes, politics, of course. Politics of which country? All. Americas and Ukraines and Russia's. Who's the aggressor then? The journalist asks. Who started the war? The lady says Ukraine. She says Ukraine started the war against whom did Ukraine start the war? She says yes, 2014 against its own people. Ukraine attacked itself. She says yes, yes. Whose people are in the Donbass? Whose people are in the Donbass? This is the, the lady being interviewed. Journalist says, which tanks did Ukraine attack itself with? Maybe Russian? She says, American. American, you're waiting for the Russian world. Did I understand it correctly? She says, what does the Russian world have, world have to do with it? Journalist asks, who occupied Trostonites last year? And the subtitle there says, city in Sumy region in northern Ukraine. Lady says, I told you, I'm not into politics. And she walks away. So this lady is now being investigated. Now, if you scroll down, you can see pretrial investigations are carried out by the Department of the Security Service of Ukraine in the Sumy region under the procedural office of the prosecutor's office. Our tax colors, our tax, um, our tax dollars are funding these guys in the Sumy region. A woman was pulled to the point where she was stubborn that Ukraine itself started a war against its people. During the procedural investigation of the Sumy Region Prosecutor's Office on February 7th, 2023, it was announced that the suspicions of a 65-year-old migrant from the metro station uh, in uh, countered the attack of the Russian Federation against the Ukraine. And now she is being investigated and will probably go to jail and they might even kill her. Wow. Okay. This is the people that I cannot side with. I don't know. Even if Russia does this too, I can't side with Russia. But I can't side with either side. There's no good. If, if if both sides are doing things like this, then there is no good guy. Let me just it's tell good. you that. There's it's no good. good guy. All right. Let me read some comments here. We've had a, a lot of a monologue here. Um, let's see. Kelly says, courtesy of the WEF Davos, who NATO, UN, World, uh, WHO, NATO, UN, World Domination, Clarence says, I'm sick of this BS. Impeach and arrest Biden for treason and Obama as his handler and puppet master. Lorraine uh, says, blowing up the pipeline is also an environmental issue that will affect more than Germany. She says, I hope that these other countries know that it's not the American citizens that had anything to do with this. Did Biden ask Congress about this or just do it with a couple of other idiots? Kelly says, Putin has been very patient with responses. He respects Americans and our ability to live like we do um, and our freedoms. He dislikes NATO. U.S. war machines have agreed to peace three times. Um, oh, Biden, NATO refused. Our government is Biden's biggest enemy. Mm. Let me check out a couple of the other platforms and see what you guys got there. Um, Wicked Sykes says, the government needs your money to fix all the problem they cause around the world. Now, I didn't actually get a chance to um, go back and, and we were asking where everybody's from. Wesley says that um, checking in from Ackworth, Georgia, 
Um, Biffmo says, hi girls, I'm in Richfield, Ohio. I met you all in Canton. It's me, Leisha. I think there was a couple of other ones um, that I missed. So I'm sorry when we asked for the shout out and then we didn't actually get to it. Um, there guys, kind of a failure. So Britt Baza says, the biggest problem for NATO and the USA is the Russian winter. Germany couldn't beat that either when Hitler attacked Russia in the 1940s. The USA won't make money by giving weapons to the Ukraine. This man speaks the truth. Zelensky is an American plant president installed by the Democrats. European nations are actually freezing cold at the moment and not having gas is crippling Europe. While the USA sells its gas to Europe, pushing gas prices ridiculously high. Michelle, Germany is the workshop of Europe. That's why Russia wants Germany to be dependent on their gas. Ken Wagner says, I'm in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Love that. Um, impeach the entire administration, he says. Oh, yeah, it's... All right, for our Canadians, okay. I know that you're upset about something and we're going to cover it. All right, so there was an inquiry to whether Justin Trudeau was, in fact, justified in invoking the never-before-invoked Emergency Act powers dun, dun, dun. in shutting down the Freedom Convoy's trucker protest in Ottawa. Now, he has been cleared in that investigation by the panel. His own investigators. Court. Yeah, exactly, but he is not cleared by the people. A Canadian Commission of Inquiry has cleared Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's use of emergency powers to stop protests against his coronavirus vaccine mandates a year ago over the objections of civil liberties groups. Remember those who were having grill outs and kids bouncy houses and they honk some horns. Those terrible people in Canada. Terrorists. You understand. It, you must be polite in Canada. Yes. You have, you can, you can take away people's rights, but you must be polite about it. You must it. be nice about you it. You can't honk a horn about it. You can, you can make sure that they don't fly. You can make sure you can keep them locked up in their homes. You can shut down their churches, but you can't honk a horn. Canadians have mastered passive aggressiveness. Canadians are the most passive aggressive people on the face of the planet. Okay? As, a, as a people, not every Canadian, but no. if we're grouping the people. And I think that, that the uh, the censors allow me to do that because Canadians are mostly white. So you're allowed to say anything bad about white people sure. in general. I think Why we're not? That. Why not? You know, when the police officers were arresting Pastor Arthur, Arthur Plavosky, they pretended to be completely polite. And then he went to jail. And they ridiculed him. And they played loud. When no one was watching. Heavy metal music. Knowing he was a Christian. And they took away his toilet they, paper football. They took away his toilet paper football he made with his brother. And they were just. And they took it away. They were just. They were incredibly cruel. Okay. But they were so polite. Well, sir. We have to arrest you right now. Well, sir. We have to put you in jail right now. Well, sir. I know you're just holding a church service and you're reading together. But we have to put you in jail right now. Come with me. I hate passive aggressive. Just be like a mean Russian coming up. I am arresting you. I am putting you in jail. I am going to beat you. Just like be mean already. Okay? Passive aggressivism is worse than be just being outright mean. Kelly also adds they are also trying to force Jordan Peterson to re-education. Exactly. Very well said. Now I want to go back and I know we're going to finish this story, but I, I hate missing comments. And Jean says, bless this woman. She spoke her truth Amen. to power. Power Amen. can't have people speaking. Um, hi from Northern Ireland. Northern Ireland. Hey, how you doing? All right there. 
We're going to come up on stage. She Patty's says before tasting. this pandemic, 900 liters of oil costs 310 pounds. Now it's 360 pounds. Last 900 liters cost me 904 pounds. This wow. is Europe, Britain, Northern Ireland. Wow. All right. So uh, last year, a freedom convoy of truckers descended on Ottawa to protest the Trudeau administration's imposition of vaccine. I'm going a little Irish. Sorry, I was going to, No, I, I what are you doing? Up. It, was my, it was my northern nether accent, and it went Irish a little bit, so I had to stop. Imposition of vaccine mandates <laughs> on long-distance truckers, many of whom, don't you know, uh, hardly interact with other people in their work. The convoy disrupted traffic, clogged the streets of the capital, and briefly blocked a border crossing to the U.S. Trudeau falsely claiming that the protests were the work of white supremacist extremists invoked emergency powers that not only allowed the police to suppress peaceful and non-disruptive protests, but they froze people's bank accounts. Craziness. Well, even Joe Biden encouraged Trudeau to crack down on those protests, even though his actions included the use of emergency powers that would not have been allowed against protesters in the United States under the First Amendment of the Constitution. You see, our lefty liberals here, they don't like the Constitution. They don't like the First Amendment. They don't want us to have freedom. The executive summary of the report exonerates Trudeau, though Ralu points to some government failures. I have concluded that in this case, the very high threshold for invocation was met. I have done so with reluctance. The state should generally be able to respond to circumstances of urgency without the use of emergency powers, which have never been invoked, you crazy nincompoops. You just did. It is only in rare instances when the state cannot otherwise fulfill its fundamental obligation to ensure the safety and security. The people were safe. The people were secure. They had some honking horns. Okay? <laughs> and property uh, that resort to emergency measures will be found to be appropriate. And as for the measures Cabinet put in place in response to the emergency... I conclude that while most of the measures were appropriate and effective, others fell short. The Freedom Convoy was a similar movement in his singular movement in history in which simmering social, political, and economic grievances were exasperated by the pandemic, shaped by a complex online landscape of rice, rife with misinformation, disinformation. You were not allowed. This is what the truckers were upset about. Truckers in Canada drive into the United States. They often go all the way down to Mexico, they come mm -hmm. back to the United mm -hmm. States, they come back into Canada. And if you weren't jabbed, you were stuck in Canada or in the United States. Can't you couldn't do come your in, job. you couldn't come out, you couldn't fly, you had to wear a mask. So if you play this video that I just tweeted out, okay, we have Pierre Polivier. He has become the polite conservative voice of reason it's mm -hmm. just hilarious they're all super polite we don't have any gung-ho there's nobody with fire really in canada but he's got a little bit of it's smoldering smolderingness so he says that um a, a couple videos here of trudeau uh divide and conquering and then he invoked the emergency act because he created an emergency his purpose is to divide and conquer he believes that if you can turn Canadians against each other, then they'll forget how miserable life has become after eight years of his tax hikes, inflation, and out of control cost of living. With costs, crime, and corruption raging after eight years of Justin Trudeau, it's no wonder he wants the focus off him and he wants Canadians fighting with each other. So you can expect him to continue to divide people by race, region, vaccine status, and any other fault line that he can invent. 
But instead of divide and distract, what we need to do is unite for hope, to bring people together, and yes. tell them that tomorrow can be better than today. Let's just remove all these painful taxes that have driven people into poverty. Let's end the inflationary deficits that send the cost of living up faster than at any time in 40 years. Let's clear the bureaucratic blockades to build millions of new homes so our young people can actually have a roof over their head and not just live in their parents' basements. Can you pause that real quick? And let's... So Canada, and you can actually uh, bring up the next video, Canada has like a bazillion trees and more land than they know what to do with. There's no reason why Canadians can't all have a home and that Canadian homes are astronomically expensive. You know what I say? Have all the young people get a, like attractive land with some wood and be like, you know what? No building codes. Build your own home. <laughs> and then plant some trees to replace the trees you cut down. All right. Play this next video by Pierre if you scroll down real quick here. Thank you. A lot of people were so helpless and so desperate, they ended up participating in a protest in Ottawa. This was an emergency that Justin Trudeau created by attacking his own population, by driving up their cost of living, by making it impossible for people to pay their bills and live their lives in peace. He caused the emergency that unfolded. Uh -oh. And then when he caused it, he piled on, he poured more gasoline on the fire with nasty insults, jabbing his finger in the faces of his own citizens, something that even today's report acknowledged contributed to the length and the intensity of the protest. A lot of jabbing more than his finger in their faces. Um, one more little article here where we say in Canada, Justin Trudeau uh, is responding to some leaked SCIS files from the Canadian Security Intelligence Service saying that Beijing interfered in the 2021 election to help support the liberal minority, which is actually the... If you don't know this, Trudeau does not have a majority government. He's actually in the minority. He has just made some coalitions. Now, this report from February 17th from the Globe and Mail article cited top secret um, Canadian secret service... Uh, or, well, Canadian... Security, Security Intelligence, Intelligence Services Service. covering the period before and after the September 21 election campaign, which resulted in a minority liberal government. The result was one of the goals of interference, while Beijing also sought to defeat the conservative MPs, it deemed critical of the regime. Beijing's desire for, a, for, for Trudeau, basically, to take, take control was to ensure that his power would be kept um, uh, curtailed, according to the uh, SCIS documents. I have been saying for years, including on the floor of the House of Commons, that China is trying to interfere in our democracy and the processes of our country, including Who during would our elections. Think it? We are aware of this, Trudeau said. This is not a new phenomenon. No, okay, you're okay with it. You're friendly with it. You're talking to them. You're saying, go ahead, interfere. You're well aware. I get it. Yeah, so uh, China is everywhere in every person's government, <laughs> online, in the movies. They... It, yeah, it's and and they help support people who help support them, like Joe Biden. Now, sure. I have a, a rare, interesting story here out of Switzerland. Is Switzerland about to become the first country to outlaw a cashless society? Could this, no be, a, this could be a good thing? No way. As in neighboring Germany and Austria, cash is still king in Switzerland, albeit a much diminished one. But 
the Swiss will soon have the chance to vote on whether to preserve notes and coins indefinitely. This is a rare positive news story that perhaps unsurprisingly has received next to no attention beyond the Swiss borders, but not here on Resistance Chicks. As far as I can tell, none of the legacy media in the US, UK, France, or Germany, or Spain have even bothered to cover the story. Indeed, it only registered on this author's uh, radar a couple days ago. Now, here's the basic thrust of the story. At the beginning of last week, a Swiss pressure group with libertarian leanings called the Swiss Freedom Movement announced it had collected enough signatures to trigger a national vote on preserving cash for posterity. If passed, the initiative will require the federal government to ensure that coins and banknotes are always available in sufficient quantities. Now, um, in Nigeria right now, they are being pressured by what I call global, a global authority to, to accept the CBDCs to appoint the central bank digital currencies, to appoint that they are limiting cash, how much you can withdraw, and how much you can spend with cash. Nigerians are really good with Bitcoin. And so what they what the, the authorities are trying to do is switch them over from Bitcoin, which they can't track, to the central bank digital currencies, which they can't track. You wouldn't think that Nigeria would be one of the top um, electric like electronic uh, transaction nations, but it is. But they still want cash to be king. And the fact that there are, are draw limits in Nigeria is absolutely insane. But here... Switzerland, the libertarians in Switzerland are seeing what's happening around the world and they want to make sure that their children and grandchildren do not get stuck to a digital currency that will track their every purchase. And then, as with Justin Trudeau did in Canada, if they don't like your politics or what you're doing or how you're speaking out, could literally seize your bank account. So from routers, Swiss citizens will get the chance to try to ensure their economy never becomes cashless. A pressure group said after collecting enough signatures on Monday to trigger a popular vote on the issue. The Free Switzerland Movement says cash is playing a shrinking role in many economies as electronic payments become the default for transactions in increasingly digitized societies, making it easier for the state to monitor its citizens' actions. Now, it wants a clause added to Switzerland's currency law, which governs how the central bank and government manage the money supply, stipulating that, quote, a sufficient quantity of banknotes or coins must always remain in circulation. Under Switzerland's system of direct democracy, the proposal would become law if approved by the voters, though government and parliament would decide how the law is implemented. This particular libertarian group says cash is playing a diminishing role, and they don't want the central bank of the state to track citizens' behavior. Now, as in neighboring Austria and Germany, cash is still king in Switzerland, though its role is shrunk. According to findings of the Swiss National Bank's last survey of people's spending habits conducted in autumn of 2020, 97% of Swiss citizens still keep cash in their wallets or at home to cover day-to-day -day expenses, That's, wow. That's which awesome. is significantly higher than in most countries. 40% of transactions were still being made using cash, which is also higher than many other many of Switzerland's more cashless European neighbors, such as the UK, which is only 15%, or Sweden, less than 10%, or Norway, only 3 to 4%, which is the lowest cash usage in the world. But that was down from around 70% just three years earlier. So in three years, it went from 70% to 40%. I'm pretty sure that a thing called COVID had a thing to do with that. What's more, in terms of transaction value, the debit card recently overtook cash as the payment method with the highest share of, for non-reoccurring payments. The survey results show that in terms of the number of payments made, cash continues to be the payment instrument most frequently used by the Swiss population. Uh, and compared with 2017... You keep saying Swiss. 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 
population. However, he said it a few times with the uh, when the first payment methods survey was carried out. Now, three unique benefits of cash. According to, to this, yeah. this um, first, cash makes managing party. your money clear and simple. It is easier to keep a firm grasp on your spending with notes and coins. You only have to open up your wallet to see if you can afford additional expenses. It is good. It is with good reason that parents usually give children their pocket money in cash. By contrast, when you hold a plastic card up to a payment terminal, all you see is the amount that will be debited from your account. Second, thanks to its simplicity of use, cash allows everyone to participate in the economy and social life. You do not need an account or a mobile phone to pay. That's what they want to get rid of. And, thir and third, by paying with cash, you do not need to provide personal details, your name. So Norway is actually in a cash, cri cash, cash crisis. Say that five times fast. In 2021, the country's central bank found that many of the country's commercial banks were no longer accepting responsibility for providing cash services now, in the bank. We're No, it sounds very shocking, but we're just about there. Do you remember when the coin shortage came yeah. up? Yeah. There was no coin shortage. Yeah. They were deliberately told to start collecting coins and not keeping as many on hand and then telling people we just don't. And they've actually still been doing that when it comes to withdrawals. Here in our banks... Um, we use, I, well, I guess I probably shouldn't tell you which banks we use, but there, there's the big main banks in the United States. Well, there was a major crisis in Norway in May of 22 when card terminals across the nation went down for hours, leaving millions unable to do any transactions. So with cash, you can still make a transaction, but you're at the grocery store, you got your mail yeah. and all the terminals go down. Right. Uh, what do we do? Right. But what I was getting to is here in, in, at, at our banks, in the United States, or at least here in Ohio, I can only speak to our state. If you walk into the bank and you want to withdraw more than like $1,500, mm -hmm. they will likely tell you they don't have it and you can't have it. And I'm like, I don't understand that because mm -hmm. it used to be that people would walk into a bank with their weekly paycheck, let's say it's for $2,000, and they would just cash it. Mm -hmm. So how is it that I have to fill out like a form and sign my signature if I want to withdraw more than like $1,500 or $2,000 from the bank? And why is it that they're always telling me that they don't have it? Yeah. What do you mean you don't have it? And then they look at you very suspiciously. And I'll tell you the worst part. They've started asking you what it's for. Mm. So Absolutely. don't tell me that this is just world news because this is happening right here in the United States as well. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, the very dark experiment. Nanya, has, that's the answer. Nanya business. Has begun in Nigeria with deadly consequences. And there's a video you can bring up as I read some of this article of ATMs being smashed in Nigeria. Since October 2021, 99.5% of Nigerians have refused to use the central bank's digital currency, the so-called e-naria preferring to continue to use cash. So what did the central bank do? It doubled down. In December, the central bank decided to replace all... Um, I retweeted it. You have okay. to bring up my profile. In December, the central bank decided to replace all high-denomination cash bills in the economy, all of them, just as India did in its disastrous demonetization campaign of 2016. Well, well there it is. There's the video. The goal is to make it much more difficult for Nigerians to use cash, and it is working like a, quote, dream or nightmare. Dear Lord. Godwin uh, F. Uh, M. Feel, the CPA <laughs> governor, has hailed the experiment 
as a success as 80% of cash previously held in private is now deposited with financial institutions. Finance Minister Ahmed uh, concurred. Uh, the only sore point is the pain it has caused the citizens. So why should the rest of the world care? Because unless stopped in its tracks, this monetary experiment is coming to all of us one way or another. According to the Atlantic Council's CBD, CBDC tracker, 114 countries representing over 95% of the global GDP are exploring these central bank digital currencies. So angry protesters, rioters have attacked ATMs and blocked roads in three Nigerian city, cities as anger spilled onto the streets over a scarcity of cash just days before the country's general election. Nigeria has been struggling with a shortage in physical cash since the central bank began to swap old bills of the local Naria currency for new ones, leading to a shortfall of banknotes. Banks have limited access to cash withdrawals because of a scarcity of the new notes. The, the scarcity of the new notes is on purpose, okay? And some businesses refuse to accept old Naria, causing huge queues, angering customers, and disrupting businesses. So what they're doing is they're saying, this is how they're doing this. They're, they're still having, they still have some cash, but the old cash isn't good anymore. And you have to replace the old cash with new cash now. There isn't enough new cash, but if you deposit your old cash into the bank, then you can use it as part of the CBDCs. Right. That's how this works. Coming this, to America. The unrest in the southwestern city of Ibadan <clears throat> um, comes days before Nigeria holds elections on the 25th of September to decide a successor to the president. Police in the Delta state said unguided Houston miscreants in the name of protests set two banks and two vehicles on fire. They have a right to be upset. They are stealing people's money and they want to use the elite. I, I put this as a comment. The elite always use Africa as a testing grounds for what mm -hmm. they want to do with the rest of the world. So they're using Nigeria because the Nigerian government said, we'll go along with you. And I am guaranteeing you that there is a massive payoff for oh, sure. these officials who are doing this to the people and forcing them to go down this road. So let me break this down to you guys. And, and, and I said something again, I was you know messaging Scott Kesterson and I said, I'm done just talking about all the bad things that they're doing. We have to stop them and we have to do it in the power of God. And so I want you guys to understand that as we're reporting on these things, you should be praying about them and we should be praying about them and we should be praying about them, not just like, oh God, please help us, but a righteous indignant prayer of power that says, no, you shall not pass. You do not get to do this in my nation because they are going to attempt to do this. And it will be very interesting to see how it comes about. You know, they got you to wear the masks and to take the juice because they presented something that was really, really scary. They will attempt to get people to give up their dollar bills because they will allow an economic collapse to finally happen. It should have already happened. So it's not even that they're going to make it happen. They'll just yeah. finally allow it to, to do what it should have done decades ago. Yeah. Um, and it will collapse and people will feel scared. And then they will swoop in like God and say, but we've got the answer. Mm -hmm. We're going to come in with a new currency. It'll be, um, it may even have some sort of representation in a world currency. It could be a digital currency. It could, it, I don't know what, I know they want to do the CBD, uh, the, the CBDCs, the central bank digital currencies. But beyond that, they're going to then introduce modern monetary 
theory and they will start and giving out like Lynette Zhang. She's been saying pretty soon they're going to start sending out thousand dollar checks to people because of inflation. Yeah, exactly. And this actually is going to roll into our last story of the day. And we might, might have time to squeeze in a Neil Oliver video. Um, that's going to be loud, right? Probably loud. We're, and this rolls into the artificial intelligence that's being rolled out because the CBDCs are part of an artificial intelligence world yeah, that we haven't even gotten the to that elites story want to create. So these are uh, fuel shortages and cash shortages. I give them, they said they're, they're going to receive all the currency. Yes. Make I do transfer, they reject my transfer. Yes. Then I suffer myself to see room money, 9,000. Yes. He said, you can't, take, you can't give me 9,000. You must minus 1,200 naira. He said 9,000. Why? I'm giving 7,000 something for it. Which I is wrong. No. It's very, very wrong. So because of that, I'm a citizen of this country. They have refused to send fuel to you. Yes. So they, they, so they have stopped selling fuel right they, now. They, they stopped selling fuel. Very well. Yes, they, they, Thank you very much. Right. This is what we are facing. They're, this is NNPC branded station. After a share share. That is a POS and where they do the nefarious activity. They collect 1,000 naira on 5,000 naira. Okay, so what? Basically, that was a petrol station in Nigeria. You scroll down with one more video. Demands over a 25% surcharge on normal price due to the shortage of local currency. And here we have um, just people protesting. Give it a little volume. Carry boss, now they just drop them. Everybody just run. I don't. I think I don't have sense now. I don't know why I went away. Did God said. You said. You said. Why don't you call your sister? You can carry me go house. You don't have them, but Jesus. Okay, Jesus! so you can see that this is their protesting. All right. Um, so. Definitely, guys, put your draw the line in the stand. You are not going to go down this. We're not going to go cashless, even though the Federal Reserve enacted um, a way to for the whole world to print uh, fake money. The CBDCs take it even down well, a farther I said, trip to hell. I said earlier they'll send thousand dollar checks. I I misspoke because at this point they won't send thousand dollar checks. You will be desperate for money. And they will be issuing you these central bank digital currencies in a form of a credit to get you to switch your entire accounts, right? Because you need it. That's how they'll get you to switch over because you need those funds. I would encourage all of you not to take them. Yeah. All comes. right. So here we have, you can bring up the video here with Klaus Schwab. Klaus Schwab at the World Government Summit of 2023. This is a global palace coup to introduce worldwide technocracy. That's from Majid. They then he says them Majid has gone mad and then Klaus Schwab at the summit here um, saying that whoever masters these technologies in some way of the AI technologies will be master of the universe and it's I think it's more to the left. I'll let you find it. Is this are we screen sharing? I have it downloaded. No, not yet. Okay. If I need to pull it up, I've got it downloaded. I think this might be it. There we go. This is the clip that I started off the show with, guys. I mean, this is just absolutely, uh, really, it's just par for the course for Klaus Schwab, really. Mm -hmm. And he, he, nobody can say it more creepily than he can. I wrote in 2015 the book, The Fourth Industrial Revolution. And I mentioned 23 or 24 technologies which would change the world, like crypto and so on and so on. The book was considered science fiction. All those technologies have become reality. And there are new technologies. And I would say we are in the second minute or whatever you, we want to call. 
We are at the beginning. When you look at, it, at technology transformation, it usually takes place in, in the terms of an S-curve. And we are just now where we move into the exponential phase. And I agree. Artificial intelligence, but not only artificial intelligence, <clears throat> but also the metaverse, new space technologies, and I could go on and on, synthetic biology. Our life in 10 years from now will be completely different, very much affected, and who masters those technologies in some way will be the master of the world. Okay, so wow. uh, you can tell that Klaus Schwab is is, uh, is vying for that position. Well, would like to be master of the. There is a couple here, a male couple. This is kind of a way. This is this is. I call this in part of artificial intelligence, the geoengineering, the engineering of the genome and the DNA. They took their. I don't know whose sperm they they grabbed his or the other guys. And they were looking to uh, have no, look a at the surrogate. eyeballs. But clearly, it was the dark-haired guy. They're looking for a surrogate for to carry their baby. But I want you to listen to how it's not they their described. Baby. It's, it's his baby. Well, I want you to listen to how they describe picking the surrogate. So this is how we chose our beautiful egg donor. Um, so we wanted her to have lovely big eyes. I wanted her to have really thick hair because I've had two hair transplants. <laughs> I wanted her to have a really wide, nice smile and just look like a kind person. Yeah, and we wanted her to be creative because we love the arts. Yeah. So how it works is you join up with the egg donor agency and you literally go through thousands, that's what Stuart did. That's what I did. I went through thousands, thousands, thousands. I shortlisted them, sent them to Francis and yeah. let him decide. And then we had, I had three or four in front of me and then we had a few Zoom calls with the ones that we liked, and then the yeah. first egg donor let us down. Fuming, so second egg donor let us down. Oh, yeah. Fuming. Fuming, and then by the third, we literally found her, and I was like, oh, she's incredible. And when we got on the Zoom call, we were like, oh, be calm, God, play it so down, beautiful. don't be too keen. Um, and and luckily, she said yes, and this is the result. Yeah. He's <laughs> so this is how we can't. I just literally. I have never in my life met anybody who would, per personally in my life, who would want to engineer the looks of a child like that. I want my child to have big eyes. I want my child to Not have to bald. lots of hair. I want them to have a kind smile. So you look at a person on these very superficial things. And then somehow you think if this person likes the arts, it'll be passed down genetically. I don't, I, I, I'm not usually at a loss for words. It's the second time I've seen that video and I just, I've got nothing. I'm, I, the fact that they, as a society, people would watch that. And I can guarantee you that there will be people that watch that, that just think that it's the most amazing thing ever. Like, yay, happy for them. Guys, this, a child, every child deserves a mother and a father. And if that child does not have both a mother and a father to raise them, it is a tragedy and God steps in and makes it okay, right? Sometimes he doesn't actually. And sometimes kids come out real messed up because of it. Every child deserves 
a mom and a dad. It's God's perfect design and they aren't it. And it just feels like they have just kidnapped a child. Like this, they're holding this baby and this baby, and I'm not trying to judge the, the, the child here, but the baby just kind of looks around like, why am I here? Like, who are these crazy people? Listen like, with the sound down. The body language has my heart broken. Eye contact with the camera first, each other second, and the baby not at all. All that stuff they're doing for the camera, facial expressions, eye contact, animated engagement, they need to point at the kid. Um, this is a, this is, this is like choosing a dog, people are saying. Yes. And breeding for dog. Yes. Uh, this is eugenics, by the way. Um, why did they not choose a baby, a woman of color? Seems pretty racist. It is pretty racist. Um, and I would just say women, stop selling your eggs. Stop selling your body. They're not selling their when eggs. They're just. you carry a child for nine months. That you are the mother of that child. You should only be separated from that baby under excruciating circumstances. Yeah. A baby and a child need their mother. That is why these men can't breastfeed. These, this, this child has a mother. But I just want to tell everybody, and this is when we're watching. When you say the saying, word surrogate, no, that's not. You don't get to a surrogate parent is somebody who then kind of it's like an adoptive parent that becomes your parent after the fact. Something bad happens, right? Okay. This woman isn't a surrogate parent; she's just a parent. This is her baby. This we as a society have disconnected, and I think a lot of it has to do with in vitro fertilization. Um, we have to stop trying to play God with people. That's what Kelly says in the chat. God makes that possible, not man. Okay. Every child has a right to have a mom and a dad. And if they do not, and it's well known scientifically, psychologically, that every child needs a mom and a dad. Baker mom says that poor baby. Ken says, um... As Muhammad Ali said, you want your children to look like you. James says, so sick. Britt Vasa says, Michelle, every child doesn't deserve a mom and a dad. They need a mom and a dad. Over here on Rumble. Um, back to the cash thing. Donna says, the cash limit is why I've been pulling Max from the ATM every few days since the Canadian trucker protest. <laughs> Citizens around the world don't want war, says Wicked Psych. Government leaders and military industrial complex start these wars. Mm. Very good. Very well said. Yeah. There, um, last but not least, we try to do one Neil Oliver monologue a, 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 a week. And I think I really wanted to do the one that I don't think I have up, which is basically it goes on. They don't even think that we're humans. Mm. They don't really see us as human. And that really... In in a sec in, in in a nutshell describes what that other video was like. They're not really human at that point. You're just an object to be bought and sold. Yeah. How can you how can you even begin to think that 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 would happen? Now there um there's big protests happening yesterday in the UK. People were protesting against the 15-minute cities in the UK. They didn't vote for net zero policies. And these 15-minute cities would, like, keep people in these working and living inside these 15-minute areas. And, like, you 
couldn't like go into them unless you lived there. Um, we'll probably, we'll definitely be talking more on that, but let's just bring up, I'll just retweet this as our final, uh, thing for the show today. We don't value people as human beings anymore. And that's exactly, that's a, it's an excellent transition to, um, that clip with that. And baby is a human couple. being that needs a mom and a dad. Yeah. Hang on. We'll make, we'll make meal big. Hang on. I don't, are we going to play the whole thing? We'll play most of it. I All right, think. then let's do this. Let me pull him up over here if I can. I hope I didn't get rid of it. Yeah, it should work. Okay. Oh, no, we're on that screen. Hang on, let me mm -hmm. go back to the main. I want to make him big, big, because I know you guys, we don't need our distraction. Here we go. This is what I want. And this is, this, honestly, this is what it all boils down to, you know, whether mm -hmm. we're, what we were talking about with the revival yesterday and, and, and all of that, we don't value people yeah. that, that in new Palestine, the people are not valued. Yeah. Right. We must value everyone. I don't think governments value human beings much anymore. Those we entrust with power, our own power have long since stopped seeing their populations for what they are or could be which is filled with potential, the potential of unique individuals with parts to play in society and service to offer their communities. More and more, we're told there are too many of us alive in the world at the same time, using up the resources faster than they can be replaced and making a mess of everything we touch. The totalitarians and technocrats of the World Economic Forum like to dismiss the millions as useless eaters, surplus to requirements, that same WEF and its worshippers are infuriated by individuals who value national borders and sovereign nation states with unique heritage and ways of life, not to mention constitutions that declare the inalienable rights of all those pesky uppity individuals with their own ideas about how to live a life. Instead, those self-worshipping would-be autocrats indulge fantasies of another utopia in which everything works exactly as they want it to without the place just being cluttered with billions of people inclined to follow their own heart's desires. That every one of those human beings might be entitled to a decent life independent of the state as much as possible is, for the one world government devotees, only an obstacle to be overcome, a truth to be deleted. So useless are so many of us in their eyes, or very soon to be made useless by technology we are to be made powerless to resist, we should apparently be grateful to occupy unheated homes and eat plants and insects while we live out our spans within walking distance of our homes. I live in Stirling, a town in Scotland. Every day I speak to people, regular people, you know, people of every sort from all manner of walks of life. We talk about the mess we've been put in by our supposed leaders. Just as a for instance, we've been in the long process of doing up our house. And over the years, we've got to know plumbers, electricians, plasterers, painters and roofers, just about every trade you can think of, one way or another. I don't know how to do the things they do. Not a clue. My family needs every one of those skilled people and on a regular basis. More and more now we talk with those clever, skilled people about the state of the nation. Together we share our disbelief about what has gone on these past few years and ask each other what is to be done to put it all right. Those folk and all the others of every sort have all the sensible common sense ideas a community might need. Ideas born out of spending their days in the real world, made of the lives of other regular people, lives to which they make every day meaningful contributions courtesy of the skills of their hands, 
their determination to get on and make things better for themselves and others. The truth is, these people are essential. I could be wrong, but I very much doubt Bill Gates knows much about fixing the plumbing in a Victorian house. He got it all wrong with the so-called vaccines, I'd say, so God knows what a mess he'd make of the outlet for a family bathroom. Likewise, I don't suppose Klaus Schwab or Yuval Noah Harari of the WEF would be much help when it came to putting in an electrical ring main to power that house. Does either of them have any hands-on experience of maintaining an internal combustion engine or are they just committed to eliminating what they don't even understand? Elon Musk is a dark horse and nothing would surprise me about him, but I haven't actually heard him talk much about how to plaster walls and install a ceiling rose. He plans to go to live on Mars, but I don't know how good he'd be three stories up mending a leaky slate roof here on planet Earth. My father-in-law is a retired engineer. He's also, more importantly, a member of a critically endangered species, which is to say men who can do things. He started his training in coal mines. He can make and fix anything you can think of. He can strip down and rebuild to showroom condition any motorbike or car you might care to mention. I'm pretty sure he, you could take him to a World War II tank rusting in the African desert and with some tools, oil and fuel he'd get that started as well. He can build your house from the foundations up and install all the services required. During the nearly 40 years I've known him, I've watched him at work countless times and wondered, seriously wondered what on earth I've been doing with my time. People who can make and do things, make and fix things are a wonder to me. They should be a wonder to everyone. As unique individuals, we have so much potential. Our so-called leaders would have us look elsewhere all the time. We have to fight what amounts to planned and choreographed decay and neglect. Deliberate neglect that is a huge part of the harm inflicted on society. I look around at a society being bullied into thinking of people, themselves and others, as redundant, useless eaters. And I wonder how on earth we got to this point. For a start, when did we stop educating people to understand the truth of the world around them? how it works and how they might make a useful contribution to it? When did we stop passing on the skills of steelmaking, mining, heavy industry and the rest in favour of watching other nations around the world accelerate past us when it comes to acquiring the know-how to keep the world working? When did governments decide farmers, those who give their lives to growing the food we eat, were the enemy instead of the bedrock of healthy populations? If there are any useless people, then they've been made that way by generations of dumbing down and downright deliberate abuse and misuse. Our city's infrastructures are falling apart because somewhere along the line decisions were taken to make it so. Likewise, the potholed roads and motorways, the rusting bridges, the verges and central reservations of our roads networks are litter strewn, not because it has to be that way, but because someone in authority wants it that way. More and more, the individual in this country is being sacrificed to the so-called collective good for the good of the planet, we're to be colder in our homes. For the good of the planet, we're to eat plants and insects instead of the meat that grew our big human brains in the first place. For the good of the planet, we're to stop exploiting our own natural resources and instead buy and import the stuff of life and industry at top dollar from our competitors. As long as it's others hollowing out their landscapes, burning fossil fuels and emitting CO2 into their own skies to make the batteries, wind turbines and solar panels, then everything's just tickety-boo, apparently. Environmental impact notwithstanding, always the so-called common good comes at the expense of the individuals who actually live here in this country, want to raise families here. We've heard a lot about public health these past few years. Covid was a public health emergency, they told us, requiring top-down, one-size-fits-all solutions. 
In recent weeks, I've listened for many hours to physicians, GPs and medical professionals from all over the world who in 2020 quickly understood how to treat COVID with readily available medicines and so collectively saved tens of thousands of lives. But by the middle of that year were banned by their own health authorities from doing so or even talking about it. Follow the money, that's all I'm saying. The truth, in my opinion at least, is that there's no such thing as public health. Never has been and never will be. There's only individual health. Every unique individual's health assessed to establish their specific needs, the treatment that will fix them. In my homeland of Scotland, we're bidding farewell to First Minister Nicola Sturgeon. <clears throat> if I have to listen to one more commentator describe her as an impressive politician and a skilled communicator, I think the top of my head might flip open and my brain will come out on a spring. All that set her apart was the craven, lick-spittle fawning of a mainstream media that glossed over her every fault purely for the entertainment she provided with her round-the-clock attacks on the government in Westminster. Like millions of my countrymen, I had to listen to her claim to speak for everyone north of the border while she and her SNP ran Scotland into the ground, wrecking education, wrecking health, the infrastructure and much else besides, while drug deaths and crime rose unchecked. Worst of all was what she did to education, taking a system that was once the envy of the world and so damaging it, her own government had to take Scottish schools off the international league tables because our national fall was so complete. Sturgeon also maintained a steady attack on the family, that other safe space for the raising of children as individuals and not as creatures of the state. In vain, thank God, she sought to slip a so-called named person, a relative stranger, between every child and its parents. She did, however, successfully see to it that children as young as four are able to adopt the opposite gender at school to answer to an alternative name and use a different toilet, all without parents knowing. Here is where the loss of the individual begins, when the state, and not the family, assumes control, the better to impose the ideology of the moment instead of leaving it to the family to guide and to protect their own offspring. A crucial part of the fight back we must make to reclaim our world from the autocrats, technocrats and ideologues is reminding ourselves of the unique value of the individual human being. If the proposed future must find billions of us useless, then that future is not right for humankind. Not good enough. Period. Case closed. During the 1950s, there was an encounter at MIT between Marvin Minsky, a father of artificial intelligence, and Doug Engelbart, another icon of the information age. Minsky told an audience, we're going to make machines intelligent. We're going to make them conscious. To which Engelbart replied, you're going to do all that for the machines. What are you going to do for the people? We're there now, with intelligent machines all but able to think for themselves. It's with this technology that an elite plans to make our species redundant in every way. Engelbart's question is therefore more urgent than before. Just what are they going to do for the people? And much more importantly, crucially in fact, just what are we going to do for ourselves? Here's the thing. Our species is the most extraordinary creation of the universe. Inside our skulls, we're equipped with three pounds of rosy pink meat, able to conceive of and to seek to understand the infinity of the universe. As far as we know, we're unique in that universe. We have the wit and the skills to dream of traveling to the stars. We can do anything and everything from smallest to greatest that we set our minds to. And they dare to call us useless eaters. They dare to call us useless eaters. Wow. Well, they want to switch us over to AI and computers because I guess they don't eat, but then they do because they eat 
energy. They eat energy that is cannot be naturally produced. Whereas humans, let me explain something to you. We can grow and raise food naturally. You can like live without the rest of the world on land. Boom. You can, and you can even go full caveman or Native American. I'm not comparing the Native Americans to cavemen, but you can even uh, tan hides for your clothes. Yeah. Okay, so you can But electronics live. will not exist without artificial power. Electricity. That is harming the environment. I agree. Yeah. Oh, wow. So good. Love, I know you guys love the Neil Oliver clips. Um, Leah, excellent show today. Do you have anything else? We're good. Oh, no, you didn't get to the last story that I promised them, the good news story. Oh, thank Let's you. Let's do one more. We got one more in us. It's like a band that you just wanted to sing <laughs> one more song. You don't already have it up. I don't know where it went. Hang on. I have it up. So in Poland, yeah. there is a woman that already had seven kids. Yeah. And she gives birth successfully Yeah, a to Polish quintuplets. mother of seven has successfully given birth to premature quintuplets. The hospital officials in southern Poland said Tuesday, two boys and three girls were born through cesarean section Sunday in uh, the pregnancy's 28th week at the University Hospital Aww. of Krab uh, So they Krakow. were little itty-bitties. They were very, very little. They were all put on in incubators and given breathing support, but doctors said they were all doing fine. The quintuplets' mother, uh, Damika Clark, 37, told the news conference at Kharkov uh, Tuesday that she was feeling much better than she had expected. Uh, if you have a system, a calm approach, and a positive attitude, then it is possible to have a really cool life with such a bunch of... A large bunch of children. Clark and her British husband's other children are aged between 10 months and 12 years, which include two pairs of twins. So this clearly wasn't from, seven from um, in vitro Overnight. fertilization. I don't think so. I don't know. I don't, I'm not exactly sure if they've got... I'm not exactly sure. It doesn't, the article doesn't say. But she has two sets of twins. Well, I'm just saying she's kids, a fertile myrtle. She would seem seven like. Seven kids to 12 kids overnight. A lot of babies. Whoa! That is a lot of babies. Yes. A lot of babies. Um, Lorraine says, Neil Oliver was great. We need people like him in government. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Could not agree more. So, um, all right. So, are we at the end of our show? Is there anything else we want to cover? Are you still looking it up? I just wanted to see if there were some pictures you can bring. I don't know if you want me to I can. tweet this out. No, I, I can know. just find it in the history here. Two boys and three girls. We are we're planning to have an eighth child, but it turned out to be more. So then that kind of sounds like in vitro fertilization, right? I don't know. Give me the details, people. I want to uh, know. At a news conference on Tuesday, she described it as a miracle. I'm trying to see. The She has uh, Ariana Daisy, Elizabeth May, Evangeline Rose, Charles Patrick, and Henry James. <laughs> That's the, the names of the five. Mm -hmm. They're weighing in really itty-bitty. So 1.6 to 3 pounds. Someone had left a comment earlier back to the surrogates and said Paris Hilton, this is Lorraine, says Paris Hilton and her husband just had a baby by surrogate. I know that's not the it same thing. It sounds like it said the hospital said the odds of conceiving quintuplets are 1 in 52 See, million. See, that's what I thought. This sounds like she conceived them. I think the natural way. This has got to be the natural way. I think she's had five babies. I think she had five babies. She's like a daggum 
like, you know, she had five babies. I don't want to say pig, but we raise pigs. And so we have, you know, big litters, you know, like 14, 13 pigs yeah, coming out. The at miracles once. of five babies. It doesn't say anything about in vitro here. No. And they were planning to have an eighth child and they ended up with five more. Yay. That's so fun. That's really fun for them. Um, I hope that they get lots of donations. <laughs> Yeah. Help with the raising. Yeah, help them out a little bit. Was that was they weren't expecting that? Eight, Where nobody expects that. eight, twelve. What's the difference? I mean, really. Um, I don't know if she's you know she's not gonna be able to breastfeed these puppies. Oh no. There's gonna have to be some mm -hmm. surrogate breastfeeder, right? Those things make sense that they used to do that they, way well, back you when. You can buy milk too from. And uh, you can buy milk and. I'm just saying that mm -hmm. I am not a fan of surrogates. Even if you can't have children, like a Paris Hilton situation, which she probably can't have children because she's wrecked her body. She probably can. She doesn't want to wreck her body. Oh, that's you true. You wreck your body because I'm a model. Yeah, whatever. My point is, you know, life and death are in the hands of God. And that we often just associate that with death, but that we don't associate it with life. We see that science tells us that we can have children if we take control of it in There's our own no hands. There's no such thing as a surrogate. You are stealing someone else's baby. Let's just call it like it is. Yeah. All right. Okay. So to finalize our show, I hope that our shows don't end with like a whole boatload of announcements. We have so much going on that we're really, really excited about. The first and foremost uh, thing that I if need to tell you guys in about. Texas. Next Saturday. From 12.30 to 4 p.m. Central Time, we're going to be at Christian City Fellowship in Sealy, Texas. We're going to be emceeing a press conference slash worship event slash charity for uh, three wrongful deaths of remdesivir. It has, uh, we spoke yesterday with one of the plaintiffs. Her name's Jenna. Yeah. Her story it's is heartbreaking. heartbreaking. She is probably going to be speaking at this event. Mm -hmm. Um, attorneys Michael Hamilton and Dan Watkins are representing these people and they're doing a phenomenal job. They need donations. They need people to support them. Remdesivir is actually still killing people right now in the hospital. I don't know. I'm on Facebook. Sorry. Dr. Brian Artis, Dr. Stella Emanuel, Mickey Willis, Dr. Jancy Lindsay, Dr. Angela Farella, and April Moss, who is the CBS whistleblower. With Project Veritas. With Project Veritas. They're all going to be in attendance speaking in addition to the plaintiffs in this case. It is going to be a, a, an incredible event. We already have our friends John and Stacy that are going to be coming. If you want to find out more, you can go to declaretruth.us um, or you can send me an email and I can help you get there. But it's going to be at Christian City Fellowship. This is a free event. Now, it's a charity because they're going to try to raise money. But you can come and just listen to these speakers for free February 25th at 12.30 p.m. Central Time. We're just very honored to be flying down there to Texas. Say a little prayer for us and our safety. So um, then the next thing that we have coming up, again, a lot of things are going on. The Kentucky Huddle. Technically, it's in Ohio, but um, we're going to be with Coach Dave, Dr. Sherry Tenpenny, Attorney Tom Renz, and Carrie Midday. The intent is for everybody to go to either the Creation Museum or the Ark Encounter. If you've never been to those it will blow your mind. I mean, take, bring your family. This is going to be a family uh, friendly event, especially. So on Friday, you got to get, you can get discount tickets from Bobby Lee. Just go to uh, coachdavelive.com forward slash event, or just coachdavelive.com. And you can find out more about how to get the, the tickets. And then the ticket itself to, for the conference, I think it's like 40, 45 bucks. It's, it's super cheap to listen to these amazing speakers who are also friends of ours. And we're just really honored to be a part of this event. So that's going to be happening March 24th and 25th. 
Um, so that's literally right around the corner. I mean, it's just, oops, a month away. Then last but not least, we have the Old School Survival Boot Camp coming up May 12th through the 14th, three jam-packed days. I think there's now 144 classes available. My friend Catherine went over her list of, of the classes that she's going to be taking. Um, and uh, let me rewind that a little bit so you guys can still see the promo code. And she's, she was, I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, are you going to sleep? Are you going to eat? I mean, she's just taking class. And she's so excited. I think she's going to be taking the um, axe throwing or the, there's just so many classes. I'm, I'm telling you guys, you want to join us at Vinton County Fairgrounds or uh, any kind of surrounding campground. So go to oldschoolsurvivalbootcamp.com and use promo code RESISTANCECHICKS. That's with a capital R and a capital C. And you get $12 off of your ticket. But you, if you're going to, if you're, if you're even thinking about coming, go ahead and get your ticket now because at the end of every month until May, the price goes up. These are early bird discounts, and then you get our promo code on top of that. You can visit resistancechicks.com for all of the links. Up in the right-hand corner is, is the uh, link for that. So just super excited about Old School Survival Bootcamp this year. Leah and I are going to be doing four classes. What are they, Leah? Uh, the homesteading uh, in a suburban and ho suburban homesteading. We are going to do soap making. Soap making. Soap making. Constitutional money and a constitutional colonial America class for kids. Very excited about that one. That's going to be really fun. So please come and join us. Uh, last but not least, I did notice in my email that I had missed that um, Vicky Natale has a 10% discount going on, not on the regular products, but on the CBD tinctures. Okay. So on that website, that is the link to that is on our Get website. It it's in the it. description. Um, the 10% right now. I yeah. use that and it has taken away the pain in my hip and somebody else, we've gotten so many testimonials right. from this, from these products. Mm -hmm. It's, you start taking it and then you, you don't really need really to don't keep, need taking, to keep it. taking it. I have experienced that. Every once in a while, I have to retake it. But by and large, I don't have to. And other people are, right. are saying that. So go to organicbodyessentials.com. Use promo code RC. Now, remember, this sale that I'm telling you about ends tomorrow night at midnight. Oh, okay. Ooh. So that's why you got to get in right now. Okay. So if you're watching this back, I mean on the 20th at midnight. It ends okay. on the 20th at midnight. So I wanted to get that in. But as of right now, I think... This still applies for, it may not actually apply on the CBD website, but on the regular website um, of organicbodyessentials.com, for every $30 you spend, you get one of those amazing lip balms. So you could end up with like three of them. Yeah. So yeah. super excited about that sale there and support Vicky. Now Wednesday, 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 Wednesday. Oh, Wednesday, 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 Wednesday. That's Join right. Join us on Wednesday. Whoa. Join us on Wednesday to take away the end times fear. Yes, yeah, so coming up on every single Wednesday, starting this Wednesday, we're going to be doing the most explosive series that we have ever done. And we already did this once, but we're doing it in a whole new way. Revelation Red Pill Wednesdays is going to blow your mind. Get ready to rethink everything that you thought that you knew about the last days. And it gets... It, the reason why we call it Revelation Red Pill is because you guys got red-pilled on... Item after item after item on the list of tyrants, right? Klaus Schwab. What if you what if you knew that somebody back in the day, 150 years ago, were setting you up for complete failure as a Christian? Wouldn't you want to know that? And rewriting the theology, rewriting Bibles, and then instituting them in all of the denominations 
And now, and, and, and the result of that is what we call modern end times theology. The feedback of pretty much everybody that has ever taken our Revelation Red Pill Academy series, and there's 17 episodes in that series, has either been one of just kind of mediocre or 100%. This has absolutely transformed my life. I love it. So you do not want to miss Revelation Red Pill Wednesdays. This Wednesday, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, we're going to be going live with our friend Corey Gray, author of Born Again as Kings. This book is going to be one book that you're going to have to get your hands on and read. It will change everything about where you think that we are at on quote unquote the timeline. Then we're going to have our friends, pastors, Serge DeRosa and um, Jason. What is Jason's last name? Jason. H. Just J Jason. I can't remember his last name. That's really bad. I know his last name. It's just not coming. Um, so Serge and Jason are going to be on with us and Corey Gray. They are pastors of Breakaway. Um, Kingdom Hub that mm -hmm. I you always see play at the end of our credits there. Mm -hmm. They are doing something that no church is doing, and they are bringing the message of kingdom. Yeah. Meaning we are victorious in everything that we do, and there's no stop to that. There's no end to it. There's no interruption. And as soon as you are you understand your authority as as being a king and priest in the kingdom of God and in on the earth, they like to call it the planet. The planet. They love to say planet. It's going to change everything. So we're really, really, really excited. Um, uh, let's see. Clarence says, don't forget to look at brunsonbrothers.com to send a protest letter to SCOTUS to hear the we the people versus Congress current and plus current president. Very interesting. Yeah, there, there. is a, uh, we haven't covered that. The Supreme Court is considering taking up a case, a Trump election case. Uh, Wesley says, April Moss is with Real America's Voice, not Project Veritas. What I meant was she was the Project Veritas whistleblower. Lower. Came yes. from CBS. But yeah. thank you. She, she's with Real America's Voice now. That's I did know. not know she was with Real America's Voice. That's awesome. Now, speaking of Real America's Voice, we're going to be on tomorrow morning with uh, Ed Henry and Karen Turk to talk about our revival yesterday and a couple other things like probably Trump heading to uh, East Palestine on Wednesday and uh, stuff like that. So I want to encourage you guys to tune in 8 a.m. tomorrow morning and we'll be on with them. And I think it's going to be um, pretty awesome. So I think that's all I have for you guys. We love you. God loves you. God bless. Remember, it's not just a conspiracy theory. If it's actually the truth, we will see you tomorrow morning. Then we'll see you on Wednesday night for sure. I think that's the next scheduled broadcast that we have. But remember, every Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Brighteon.tv. And then again on Sundays for our world news program. I hope you've enjoyed it and you want to come back for more. We'll see you guys later. God bless. So